Matthias. He's the first-time reader and literary expert. And that was Matthias. He's read the story. In this 12-episode series, we're using critical theory to explore the superhero web serial Worm from a broader perspective, covering Worm in six 300,000-ish word chunks. Mm -hmm. And today is part one of book three, so it's the overview episode. Um, And here we're going to close read arcs 15 through 17, um, commenting on the most key points of the story and kind of going into this plot-based examination um, in this like very linear fashion, where we be we'll be pulling uh, recurring and emerging themes, you know, as we go along. So, if you haven't read arcs fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen yet, please do because this is a full spoilers discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, without further ado, let's get into it. So, Clarence, what did you think of arcs fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen? Mm. The I I feel like there was a very there there's there's a very distinct shift between. Um, kind of the the first eight arcs versus like the nine through fourteen, which that one mm-hmm. feels very much like it's very fast paced and you know like we don't really notice as much about. I mean, we do notice the like difference in setting, but it's not it's not we're not like focused on that. Like we're so focused on mm-hmm. oh like what's going to happen this very next moment and it's very like you know action packed. Um, but then these few arcs, there was there was a little bit more of of that kind of really looking at the city um, unraveling and kind of what to do about that. Like, it's not just, you know, these kind of glimpse. This We were really kind of addressing the, de- the deterioration and this kind of, you know, how are we going to save it or not save it, you know, all of this. Um, yeah. Um, the, the first eight arcs is a normal city that's mm-hmm. just, you know, having some explosions. Uh, and then... 9 through 14 is it's the waterlogged post-apocalyptic thing where yeah, it's kind of yeah. the entire city is uh, in in a terrible state and now we're starting to like get into the to the rebuilding but it's still a, a, a tenuous one and yeah it's very like bogged uh, down yeah and i think this is where you kind of get like different areas are are in different states of of repair mm-hmm. right skitter's territory is not as waterlogged um, while others are, and there's whole sections that are just like abandoned, and some that are pop- populated, and then there's yeah. stuff like the the mayor's um, house, which is on a hill and not waterlogged, and yeah, where it's for, like nice and uh, the grass mm-hmm. is cut and all of this. Right, and so right there, you can kind of forget that the entire city is mm-hmm. not in that state. the The other thing I think is significant is you know in uh, eight is the first destruction of 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 the city 9 mm-hmm. through 14 is just a continuing you know state and so with this rebuilding section we're kind of seeing like this is what how things are supposed to be improving and then we have stuff like coil blowing up uh the debate just to kind of remind us that like this this normal that we're that we're coming back to is not the original normal still yeah, yeah there there won't be a return to the status quo yeah um, which i think is what also kind of like sets the heroes into this kind of like their whole, you know, debate about what their role is and, you know, that sort of thing about, like, condemning the city, all of this. Um, I think that the realization that that there needs to be something new, something, some other way to, like, rebuild the city, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what's kind of, like, set them into this this spiral that they kind of end up yeah. into. <clears throat> yeah, they're kind of backed into a corner and the mm-hmm. old methods don't work. And so they're trying to find what new ones are acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, let's get into the key moment by key moment discussion. So, mm-hmm. as usual, it's unfortunately impossible to mention every single beat of uh, every through line. So, we're going to try to consolidate them into, into particular moments, and we're also going to miss a bunch of different moments.、Um, This arc is about a hundred and thirty thousand words less than the last one, and yet our script is just as long. Just so, as long.、Um, I think subconsciously, I just like let myself put in more. And and once they're on the page, it really doesn't feel like any of them can be cut. So yeah, and and there's still more that I want to add, but you know, we're very close.、Uh, we'll, we'll, and there's all these moments、yes. that like even if we don't get to them in this episode, I feel like we can bring them up. In the perspectives, because we have all those like little interim moments. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to hear more content,、um, you know the stuff that that we still miss here. There's always、uh, we've got worm, which、mm-hmm. of course covers everything in detail.、Um, yes, so so please go listen to that as well. Okay, so let's start off with arc fifteen, colony, in which the Nazis are kicked out. Skitters tortures, Skitter tortures Triumph, and Coil plans to kill her. So we start off with、uh, Taylor and Rachel having a bit of a bonding moment.、Um, there's、uh, actually a lot with with Rachel in these arcs.、Uh, so here, Taylor, uh, uh, here we we see、uh, Taylor's or we see Rachel's underlings.、Um, you know, Barker does the whole spitting in her face thing with his power, basically. Yeah, jeez. And the, her retribution.、Um, but、uh, Rachel gives lets one of her vets have. Uh, one of her dogs, which is kind of、mm-hmm. a big step in her her growth, and、uh, Taylor gives her her coat, and Rachel's kind of moved by it,、um, even though it's、uh, she tries to keep quiet about it, basically.、Um, and then the undersiders decide to take Coil on. Ah,、uh, yeah, all of the I don't know, all of the interactions with Rachel,、um, they they seem like before they were very tenuous, and like you weren't really sure what was going to happen, and you feel like there could be like some violence. Breaking out, but then now it seems like she's kind of, sort of like settled in to to、mm-hmm. accept these these like friendship establishing things that Taylor is doing. Um, that she's kind of like yeah, th- accepted the the need for that emotional bond. Yeah, It, it's interesting. So like, we, that's a good point about the the threat of violence has mostly gone away. Like,、mm-hmm. there's still you know the worry that she'll take it the wrong way and get pissed, right?、Yeah. But like when. Taylor gives her the coat. There's no, e- even though Taylor is, you know, couching her words and 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 trying to make sure that everything's okay.、Um, and Rachel is suspicious and you know wondering what's the cost to this because、mm-hmm. usually gifts come with a cost. There isn't a threat of like she's gonna punch Taylor in the face because obviously she wants to like manipulate her or something. Yeah, yeah. So,、she's、and that's growth. Like, she's like sort of becoming this like. I mean, she isn't quite yet, but I feel like she becomes later this like ride or die of like Taylor. She like very much adopts Taylor、mm-hmm. as as a friend to like you know this to keep her forever. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see later on when、uh, they're fighting the the dragon suits,、mm-hmm. and Rachel just completely trusts Taylor to come up with a plan about anything. Basically, yeah, yeah. it says, "Okay, we're, so we're fighting this thing. You you just come up with a plan." And we'll do it, and we'll take it out. And he、yeah. was like, "Well, it's not that simple." Yeah, but... what are you talking about? But it, it like there is this sort of、it's、like established trust. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, uh, also, so at the beginning here, I think it's this really notable moment where、uh, Taylor basically thinks to herself, "Why am I doing this?" And、uh, last、mm-hmm. overview, I think we we commented on she doesn't really we, we don't really 
get a lot of Taylor's motivations and like like we in in her own narration uh, Taylor's outreach to Rachel is not like super like she says I want to be your friend Mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually come specifically from like you're a wonderful person and I like talking to you kind of place yeah there's there's not like a clear reason for friendship overtures right and so here you know Taylor actually reflects on it and it's you know it's it's still not you know I love being around you kind of friendship but uh, she considers that if she just chose to be co-workers instead of or, or just teammates instead mm-hmm. of friends it would be abandoning Rachel to a pretty lonely existence and so we see like there's there's some sympathy here there's some yeah, there's I feel like there's almost like empathizing too because she's like yeah she's experienced that loneliness um, that's true yeah and I feel like she kind of almost sees like a not quite kindred spirit because she's like off doing her thing but I don't know I think she sees herself a little bit in Rachel yeah I think so too yeah yeah um yeah so uh about coil Mm -hmm. um this is where so all throughout this arc and of course we're we're continuing from from the last section taylor is still engaging in this double think where she both knows that he's not going to release dinah and yet is also acting completely as if he is Yeah, it's so confused like it it confuses me to no end this whole like this whole time that I was reading, I was so confused about like why she. I don't. I don't know. It just. It just seemed like a like a very specific singular thing for her to focus on. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so much other things that like Coil is doing and like that are happening around her that she like. It just seemed like such a specific small thing to focus. I mean, it's not that like Dinah's situation is like you know, okay or anything like that. Her, she's mm-hmm. definitely like in a not great place, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. It just seems so strange that she was like so specific in focusing on, on Dinah. Um, yeah. And then this, this tunnel vision of hers just yeah, like, where she's like, if this gets fixed, then everything else will be fixed. Right. And know. yet she's complicit in a lot of other horrible things happening yeah, and actively involved in others. Like not, it, the 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 mayoral um blackmailing that yeah, that goes like, on there was a right? whole family there he, exactly so it's it's like even if we even if we're not just specifically talking about triumph which she's already kind of wrestling with with that yeah. so like that's she's she's at least thinking about that slightly even if she doesn't actually you know decide to change her ways because of it there were yeah, also but, two little girls right yeah, there she totally, right like, the, she just kind of like dismisses the whole rest of the family and like the children and all of this but she was just kind of like oh oh, i almost killed that guy but like you know let's keep going yeah i don't know it just i feel like she she chooses to focus on dinah so she doesn't acknowledge other things Mm -hmm. you know also that yeah sorry i'm just like bringing up all of this at the immediate moment but like this it i think this is this is a part of the story where like everything gets much much more intertangled and so it's a little bit harder to talk about one piece when you know the parts in the future of it there's like i mean earlier even earlier on when Coyle was like articulating what he was planning to do i just i don't know i guess i was just surprised that she took it at like face value where she was like oh yes that does seem like that would be his plan yeah of course he would want to improve the city yeah, of course he's i guess i just like completely altruistic i feel like there's so many unspoken plans that like probably go beyond the city or like you know there's i don't know she just it just, I feel like Coyle 
we're presented with Coil and we like are expected to like accept his plans and all the things that he says. Yeah. But like we're like the undersiders are like his employees, you know, like he doesn't have to tell them everything. No, he doesn't. I don't know. It just it just seems like it was much more messy than than and like much more complicated than Mm -hmm. anyone like than any of them were really like considering. Yeah. I mean, later on, we see that like we think about it, but. So uh, after this uh, first introduction, mm-hmm. then we get into uh, Brandish or Carol's interlude. So here we f- we finally see the, the the capstone basically to what happened with with Amy and, yeah. and Glory Girl. So we see we see Carol's um, her her trigger event, which is pretty dark. It is. Um, I think literally too. She needs to have like lights on and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and we see a, a glimpse of Alan Barnes as a normal human being, not as a terrible Alan person. Alan Barnes, he's he's Emma's dad. Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. that's who I thought that's, he was. Yeah. Yes. Uh, definitely, the first time I read it, I did not, I did not remember that. Actually, uh, the first time I read it, I didn't realize that Thomas Calvert was the same guy from the Nilbog interlude. Oh, really? I just had forgot it. Like, it's, and so the oh. second time I read it, I got to the Nilbog interlude. I was like, wait a second. Oh my god. Is that the same yeah. guy? And I thought I had like figured it out, but no, it it was you were supposed to be able to figure it out. Yeah, so. yeah. They, or not figure it out. It's just a repeated name. You just have yeah. to remember. Yeah, well, I kind of like I I like stuck a sticky note, you know, in that in that mm-hmm. moment because yeah. I was like, I feel like someone who walks free after like deliberately killing, not just like mercy killing. I feel like he'll come back. Mm-hmm. And here he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Carol finds Amy who is destroyed mentally and glory girl who is destroyed both physically and still not fixed mentally. And Amy says, yeah. Like what has Amy been doing this whole time? I mean, it hasn't (laughs) been that long, but like, ah, Amy. Yeah. What are you, what are you picturing when you, what did you get from the image of, of glory girl or Victoria as she is now? Um, I feel like I, she seemed kind of melted a bit. Yeah. And then like she's like kind of her but then like in in the sort of like if you paint over a painting and then you don't mm-hmm. paint it right, you know, it's like it's like a mm. it's like somebody who does renovations or like restores mm-hmm. a painting but it's complete yeah. shit. Like they're not a good restorer, <laughs> you yeah. know? So like suddenly Madonna has like a terrible face. Yeah. You know? Or like Jesus has the face of a cat. I don't know, it just Right. It seemed like it was not correct. You know, yeah. it was just and like it's, it's almost the definition of of the uncanny valley, right? Where it's she just couldn't get it right, so mm-hmm. everything is off, and and she repeated the mistakes over and over again, and yeah. just just kept adding on. I guess she just like you know that arm's wrong. Let me make another one, and that one's wrong. Let me make another <sighs> one. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, and yeah. So it's quite Amy, like I can't even um, imagine being like the mother mm-hmm. who comes into this situation. And like finds her daughter and the daughter that she has yeah. been forced to take in of, I don't know, just, that's just, I don't even know how yeah. she would go on. I mean, like mm-hmm. she, I mean, she could probably can't, but like, it just, it just seems, that just seems so devastating. Yeah. 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 Mm. And this is a very, there's a lot in this, in this interlude. Um, there's yeah. additional stuff, you know, we, we, we see uh, Amy getting um, taken away from, from, 
Marquis. Um, also, uh, I've decided I'm just going to switch back and forth between Marquis and Marquis because I was trying to say Marquis and then Marquis slipped in anyway. Yeah, so, I, I uh, think if I say the, the... Marquis, I will have to very actively think about it. Sure. Because in my head it is just Marquis. So far, I have already been slipping back and forth. Yeah. So that's the pattern it's and I'm going to stick to it. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, taking away Amy from Marquis... Mm-hmm. Um, she she but then it's almost Amy like here, she it's like i don't want her she didn't get like taken away almost it was like mm-hmm. he deliberately set this Given. up so yeah. that they could come take her you know mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like that well, i think he... oh sorry go ahead I, I think he he wasn't trying to get captured they they attacked him in his home mm-hmm. and his daughter was there and he was like well i'm gonna lose this fight so you might as well take her um yeah please mm-hmm. please take her so she doesn't get oh, interesting murdered. yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, there's more to say about their relationship in the later interviews. Yes, but... for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, so the other thing to focus on is um, Amy decides that she needs to go to the birdcage. She does, which is such an, like, an odd thing mm-hmm. to do, I guess. I don't know. Because like, she still hasn't fixed her like what she has messed up. Yeah. You know, and she doesn't need to like go into a city. I don't know. She needs... To go and like speak to somebody or yeah. like process what just... she has done and right. find remorse in herself and absolution and and like cathar I don't know she like needs to sort out her head and not mm-hmm. get sent into a place that like does not cultivate she that literally at all. A, a, yeah it's a it's a black hole yeah like she, she literally cannot leave she's ever she's basically to fix her just continuing to run away. And to not face yeah. what she has done. But now she's, like, stuck yeah. there for, like, wh- however long. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It just... It's not surprising that she decided that, but it is, again, f- it just feels like she doesn't... I don't know. She just... Ah, uh, Amy. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah. Ah, uh, Amy. Uh, you know? But it's just, it's just such a complicated... <laughs> she She feels that she can't get it right, right? Yeah. She, that she feels that she, she cannot. Which, like, that's... I, I don't think that's, oh, I, I think that's a valid, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that might be her, her valid stance that she's like, okay, there's no way that I can fix this. It's, I, I fucked it up too much. Yeah. However, she can still make it better. Yeah. Right. Like, she can make Victoria into not a blob. <sighs> she can make her into a girl, if not Victoria, you know? Yeah. It's like that fish. That's what I, I, I imagined her walking. Uh-huh. Is that fish, you know, the one with like the face? Uh, well, it's like not a fish, not but really. like, you know, you know, like it's the face with like the, the like blobfish. The yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. The, I think it's literally called a blobfish. I don't blob know the fish, colloquial yeah. term for it. But like, yes, that, that's what I imagined. I think it's that, except it has more than one head and arms and legs. Oh, horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yep. But okay. And she still didn't fix her brain either. So. Yeah. I mean, we don't. It, she definitely doesn't say that she fixed it so mm. yeah yeah so it's, it's this like yeah this i don't want to say perfectionism but anything less than total total complete you know fixing of of what she originally did mm. unless she can unless she can wipe it away so it never happened then yeah, she, she, can, she like, can't do anything but then that's like a whole nother big mess yeah, it, that's what you she know? wanted to do originally, I think, too. she's just, like, living with that in her own head, that she has done this and yeah. erased it, and now she knows in her, her, like, and then would Victoria just, like, go back to thinking that she's 
that they're just sisters again? You know? Yeah. Oh, so messy. I, I think that's like, what she wants. Po- yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. That's and and that's what that's that's her best case scenario. Yeah. So yeah. But she all right, we've already spent therapy. a little bit on this moment. Yes. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's we have more written down, but <laughs> <laughs> onward, um, onward. Onward. So uh, then we come back to Skater's story. Uh, the Undersiders fight some Nazis and win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide to tax them by uh, body controlling Victor. Uh, however, they didn't tell Taylor. Um, and then Tattletail also uses some pretty brutal manipulation on their the Nazis' relationships. Yeah. And uh, Taylor is, yeah, really pissed off that she wasn't involved in making the call. Yes. The debate about Victor, which I would like to point out, um, is is Taylor like she's not being she's not mad about like the morality of it like she because I mm-hmm. feel like she could rationalize what happened she's just mad that she oh, yeah. didn't have like that she didn't have the control over the situation like she wanted to be involved in the planning like she has like I was thinking about this like earlier about her like micromanaging like all of her mm-hmm. all of her like multitasking is basically her micromanaging you know yeah. she's not like I mean she like kind of she sort of trusts people to do things but like. She sticks a bug on them to like make sure that that happens, you know. Like she wants I guess that's true. to know what's yeah. happening, you know. And she does. She gets very upset when she doesn't. That's that's very true. Every time someone doesn't read her instructions, like like with, um, oh, yeah, with Trickster her, yeah. at the mm-hmm. mayor's place, not that it was really instructions. She was like giving them information, but she was just like so so frustrated. She was mm-hmm. like, "Is he illiterate? Is he?" Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but she just—I don't know. She just has like very specific expectations, and she wants those to be met. Yeah, 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 yeah. I- increasingly on the battlefield, she she tells people what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. With her bugs. The, when this is this before or after when they were kind of like, "Oh, you should take over for Brian as like leader." Uh, Oh yeah, when when the dragon suits show mm. up in Arc sixteen, yeah. yes, that's when she starts. When she's like, okay, let me t- let me take the lead. Yeah, yeah. Which also just like as a side note to that, like all of the debate I think about, like you know, temporarily temporarily taking over as like leader, like she already is. You know, yeah. Like she took she took control over the group. I would say when the nine showed up, you know, and she hasn't really mm-hmm. like relinquished it since then. Yeah. Just, I mean, Definitely. just just the way that she acts, you know, and like how she's she's the one telling the undersiders what to do, but then also as an extension, she's like using whoever else is allied with them. I don't know. She's just she's like already stepped yeah. into the leadership role. Yeah, yeah. By the time they go to the villain meeting in um during during like what like arc ten mm-hmm. or I think it might be arc eleven. Yeah. Anyway, on the like the little island. Yeah. So Brian is like technically the leader. Right, he, but he's he, like even there, he just seems completely like a like a figurehead, mm-hmm. right? Because she's the one who speaks be- up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She she's the one who makes the decision there, the mm-hmm. only decision that gets made there, essentially. So, ah, and then in, especially in the aftermath. So yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, and it's like continually her plan with stuff. So yeah, yeah, mm. um, yeah. Oh, but also, so uh, the aside that I noticed this repeated, you know, pattern that probably doesn't mean anything. But there's just so much like dentistry comments that she uh-huh. is thinking about, you know. That is like she true. has so, this whole so little the, aside. The point here is yeah, where uh, she looks at. Well, well, actually, specifically, what happens here is they start having. Um, what was it? I think it's basically. Uh, you know, Regent treats uh, Shatterbird, you know, badly and mm-hmm. is like insulting her. And then 
Regent explains that this is, you know, they're, they're, this is a means to an end, right? And yeah, yeah, it's her teeth. We're taking, we're thinking about her teeth, and isn't it? Yeah, and then, Shatterbird's teeth. Yeah. And then Taylor so, like so goes on this whole little like aside about like, oh, like what? How how are their teeth like kept clean? Like, are they all yes, like what is this? It, I don't know. It just seems so like in that, in that moment, she's doing it because she doesn't want to think about the the moral implications of yeah, allowing this to continue. She true. just kind of drops it. Yeah. Yeah, so that yeah, that's just, interesting. That it just seems like teeth there's again. like a repeated pattern because later on it appears again. Dentistry. I mean, it's not like a it's not like a theme or anything. It's just it, it's something that it, you know. It, it comes up us. two more times in this section yeah. with um, when she gets injured uh, with from Flechette. The the surgery that's done on yeah. her is done oh with God, a dentist but rotary like, they thing. Have to, like use dentistry tools, but yes, they like, don't then, they like have them there. Yeah, they have them there because there is a dentist in, in Skidder's territory. And she yeah. got equipment from Coil so that they could start working. So strange. And then uh, during Marquis' interlude, uh, Panacea is being being competition for uh, one of the teacher's dentists, yes. basically. Yes. And, yep. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's what's come up with. Well, like, I guess you, like, if you really start thinking about, like, the the state of teeth, you know, like mm-hmm. the availability of water, the availability of, of, you know, anything to clean teeth, you know, or like mm-hmm. the type of food that you're eating, you know, or the amount of nutrients you're getting and your teeth are weak or like you develop cavities or this sort of thing, or your teeth get to have to get cut out. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it really is sort of like a little bit of a indicative of, of the state of the city, the environment. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seemed like such a peculiar thing to, Keep reappearing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, complete uh, different section. Um, Anyways. <laughs> but um, no, no, I'm still on this tangent because oh, yes? now that I'm thinking about it, uh, with the birdcage, the fact that like one dentist in the entire birdcage is like charging everyone else for mm-hmm. checkups is like so wrong. Like, it's terrible. They, they don't, they're not even provided any real medical services. Yeah, like, and I just it, like I get I I still get you know Panacea being you know a bigger deal because she can actually like solve long term stuff, mm-hmm. but it seems that there's there might not even be just like like you know Dragon's a, a supreme AI right so like they they don't know that but she is right so she could like have a have a room right where people lie down she like works on them with like robot arms or whatever yeah yeah like but then I guess it's introducing the weapons for but it. yeah you know I don't know. Yeah. Put a pin in that, you know? I'm I'm kind of like yes. making a list of things for the birdcage and how it is yes. a human rights violation. Yes. Because I absolutely agree. Okay. So yes. that's one of them. Uh, that is one of them. And there's, I'm sure there's many more. There's many. Uh, so following this is uh, Brian's interlude. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot here. Uh, he's horribly traumatized and uh, we open with him, you know, punching a punching bag until his knuckles are bloody. Mm-hmm. And he's seeing visions of of Bonesaw. He can't control his heart rate or anything. Um, He hates... I'm going to read a quote. Um, Says, hated this. Hated that his body, which he'd always seen as something under his absolute control, a tool to be honed, was betraying him with this anxiety, panic, and weakness. His power, too, was a tool that now carried so many negative connotations. He hated that everything seemed so ugly now. The city was soiled, ruined, and festering. His friends and family were tainted with negative associations. So he just feels um, completely unable to 
escape this. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel that he can talk about it with anyone because that would be admitting weakness and he can't do that at this point. And so he just feels utterly trapped in this. Also, I think it's worth mentioning, it's only been like a week since... Recovering from like PTSD, which he's absolutely like in the midst of like like post-traumatic stress syndrome, right? From this traumatic event. Um, That can like take a while. You know, the like recovery, like yeah. It, and so he's in his so own narration, kind of like, he's like, "It's been." I don't know if he actually specifically says this, but he says something like, "It's been five days. Why am I not over this or something?" Yeah, but it's, it's also just like an insane that's, that's thing a, to say. Yeah, that's a ridiculously short amount of time to expect yourself to be better from something this. You know, like you know, um, I mean, his whole body was like outside of his body, and then it got put back in, yeah. like. That's that's right. just a lot, and he had to like watch all of his friends get their heads cut. I don't know. Just there's so much for him to process. I I mean any any angle, even just like the seeing the friends and and people being threatened that bad yeah. would take more than five days to get yeah, fully over. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Just yeah. I mean, every one of them are now traumatized by his experience. Like yeah. Taylor is also would be traumatized just by seeing him like that. Like I'm sure it's affecting her pretty badly. She just ignores it because that's Taylor's yeah, well, thing. Well, she just that's that's her like coping mechanism. It's just kind of like yeah. keep going forward and not examining old things in the past. I don't know. She also needs to like kind of have a sit down and like examine what she's experiencing. Oh, yeah. All really, I mean, like a lot of them do. Yeah. But, but I. Yeah. But there is I, something. One to of be our said listener about... questions is is who needs therapy and mm-hmm. uh, you, and they they preempted the the answer all of them because <laughs> Anybody, obviously all of them yeah 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 yeah, yeah but Brian he he seems to be the one who one of the ones that is like having the most difficulty and kind of like I mean adjusting but I mean you can hardly say adjusting if it's been five days but like he's still kind of like in the midst of that and it's really interesting. Um, I wanted to note here, particularly in his interlude, um, in the way that it's, like, written, the way it's kind of portrayed yeah. is, because, like, so often, like, in novels and in monologues, like, there's they're interspersed, right, between, like, dialogue and the dialogue, you know, progresses like they weren't happening, all this, you know, like, we see them thinking, but then, like, we also, we don't, we don't think about the time that it takes for the thinking, um, but then, like, with yeah, him. Yeah, the articulation of, of very complex thoughts takes a very very small amount of time yeah but then like i think is reflective of reality because in reality we aren't articulating every single thing in in our thoughts a lot of it's instinctual and Mm -hmm. so like explaining that into words takes more yeah it seems like Um, it would like yeah there's less i guess we just kind of assume that that's how fast thoughts happen it's like you know if if i'm like okay i want to get a glass of water that's that's just that in my head, that is the only text, mm-hmm. right? But my body is like, okay, well, I have to open the door. I have to go down the hall. I have steps. to go down the yeah. stairs. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm pathfinding. I'm like, there's a cat in the way. I, I will I will move in a different direction so it doesn't swipe at me because my cats are like that. Um, <laughs> and these are unconscious or subconscious thoughts yeah. that yeah. maybe in a text would have to be articulated if they're relevant. I mean, even, like, when you're going on the little, like, walk to get to your water, like, you have all that time to think, you know? But, like, you don't comment on the time that it takes because you're just like, oh, I'm just going to the fridge, you know, all of this. Um, But the thing is with Brian, everyone keeps mentioning all these, like, long silences where, like, 
we're kind of involved with him because he's like going through his thoughts and his flashbacks and he's dealing mm-hmm. with all the shit in his head. And then like Aisha or, or, or Taylor are like, you've been silent for a long time. I'm going to assume yeah. that you're thinking, but like, where's the rest of the conversation? I don't know. It's it just, yeah. it's both like really interesting and, and in terms of like a writing and then like also slightly amusing because you like wouldn't think about because I mean, it's just a little bit jarring, I guess. Yeah, just because I like, mean, I don't know if amusing is the word I would use. I get, well, I, I get amused by, about time things, but okay, <laughs> no, but then it's also like a really good way of like describing what he's going through and like yeah, how much he's really sitting there and like trying to process and, and but then still like reliving it and all of this. Like he's really kind of stuck in his head, and we see that and we feel yeah. it, um, and the and the like dialogue, you know, acknowledging that, you know, acknowledges it to us as well. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I get amused about funny things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the, the, just the fact that his thoughts take time, mm-hmm. while like Taylor's are basically instantaneous. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Or, or timeless. They exist outside of any particular moment in time. Is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, it, it, during his interlude, we see Taylor from his perspective, and he's kind of like harshly honest in his mental description. So I'm gonna. Uh, read uh, her approach <laughs> she wasn't in costume it was odd seeing her approach from a from a distance observing her interrupted for over a longer span of time she conveyed an eerie kind of confidence that he knew she didn't have at her core some of that was how she unflinchingly looked forward she didn't react as a wind blew her hair across her face didn't turn to look around the street as she crossed an intersection and then later she somehow managed to be self-conscious and yet unaware of the way she held herself. The seeming fragility of her body was accented by the angles she seemed to settle in into when she rested. Her wrist bent at a right angle as she picked at one of her cuticles with her thumbnail. Her leg raised so her right foot could rest flat against the cabinet. Her shoulders tilted forward a fraction. It was as if her skin didn't fit and she couldn't stretch both arms or both legs out to their full lengths at the same time. And a little bit more. Um, it made him think of a bird or one of her insects, but... He didn't feel he was being unflattering by thinking it. So this is a very different perspective of Taylor than, than we've ever seen. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think in the beginning of in the beginning of the story, she actually was like pretty aware of her body. Like, you know, she was always afraid of how people were. Yeah, she was like hyper focused on it. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is where we get her own self descriptions. Right. She's like, mm-hmm. I used to what she describes herself as looking kind of like a frog. Yeah. With like a long arms and a pudgy belly and that's why she started running and stuff and as we go through i mean this this happens in the sort of house nine arc too you know she gets more injuries and she just continually tries to ignore her own body as much as possible yeah yeah there's yeah i, I don't think we've we really don't focus on it very much at all and then i mean way later she like just i don't know she just she takes herself out of her body so often mm-hmm. with all of her bugs <clears throat> I don't know. It's yeah. it's it's interesting to kind of like refocus the attention back like onto her like actual body. Um yeah. Uh th- this is also where um so related to this, we we kind of see some thoughts that we never see with her, right? She articulates to Brian mm-hmm. what it's like and what what she feels about, you know, being connected to all these bugs all the time. Yeah. So quoting it's sort of calming when you think about it. You realize how small you are in the grand scheme of things. We're not really the rulers of this planet. We're just tenants. And it's the small stuff, the bacteria and insects and the plant matter that really run it all. Going forward, 
Um, I know I sound a little crazy when I say that, but really, you get a glimpse of how these bugs go about their lives, almost mechanical in how they follow their instincts. You see them breeding, eating, building nests, and dying, and you see how they saturate every aspect of our existence. Going forward again, I guess it takes me out of myself when I think about it. Reminds me that we're only one part of this vast system. We're cogs in the universe in our own way. Seeing the little details maybe makes me feel like the big problems aren't so personal. They aren't as overwhelming. And this is like a fascinating thought, and and it's just interesting that Taylor, you know, there's a couple times where she she's like, you know, I I found refuge in my bugs, right? Mm-hmm. But she almost never articulates something like this, you know, this notion that we're all so small in the end. Yeah, it's really it's it's interesting how like how much she doesn't think about herself, I guess, or how much she thinks about the rest. I don't know, because mm-hmm. we, like, we're not, we're not in those observations, because, like, she just, she, what I was thinking, she, like, knows these things inarticulately, right? Like, the way that she thinks, maybe she doesn't speak of this to, like, to herself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, like, these observations are almost, almost point of utterance, of, like, she has it in her head, mm-hmm. but she hasn't yeah. articulated it until she has spoken. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, she has these feelings mm-hmm. and, like, half-thoughts right but yeah they don't come together into a coherent yeah like peace articulation of a feeling until right now yeah like it's it's like when she was lying in the bed um after the leviathan where she had her little like pyramid of cockroaches that sort of thing of like in these moments where she feels powerless she creates her own power by sitting in in all these other bugs you know what i mean yeah 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 so uh, during this this chapter and after brain brain Brain. Uh, brian and taylor basically um start having a relationship so Mm -hmm. here they they fall asleep on the couch together um and later uh, brian talks about how much he wants to kiss her when they're right before dragon shows up um and uh at in the next arc uh right they sleep together Mm -hmm. so overall it seems good for brian you know he he does. does seem to feel better Right. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, that he has someone to lean on, if only mm-hmm. a little. But it's not, you know, a very romantic relationship. There's not a lot of there. There is no, you know, deep spark there. No, there's, there's no, no like, there's no passion yeah. or whatever. Like, there isn't that like headiness. I guess As, that's usually like yeah. especially present in like teen romance. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, when when like teenagers like. You fall head yeah, over heels like, for each other, and and here but it's, I imagine, it's you know, like, very cold. It's very, it's very like pragmatic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, which is interesting because, like, when Taylor was initially making her overtures, you know, he was saying, "You're, you, we were indicated that this was, you know, very analytical." But Brian is doing the exact same thing here mm-hmm. as well, and and it also it does also seem teenagery in another fashion of just like this is what I'm supposed to do, so I need to do it. I guess, yeah, that because it, they don't her, know we what it's supposed to feel like. Her thoughts, right, before they sleep together, where she's just kind of like, okay, I guess this is, like, what's going to happen now. Yeah. I don't know, it's just, it, it like, there isn't any sort of, it's just kind of like, they've decided, you know? Yeah. But like, well, yeah. I guess it's, this is, like, this will be the stability or, like, the comfort that we need. But, I don't yeah. know, it's, it's, I was thinking it's almost, like, just as calculated as her, like, other social interactions. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's, like, she's very, like, specific in the way that she kind of, like, reasons through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very odd. They it's not surprising, just but it's just kind of mm-hmm. strange, I guess. Yeah. 
They also just haven't like hung out in like at least two yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's true. She's like been busy, you know, up. doing other things. Yeah. and even before then, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, like the the, so. the like amount of of like social exposure, I guess you could say, because mm-hmm. like they saw each other all the time when they were all living together in the apartment complex or whatever yeah. it was. They definitely seemed more friendly with each other then, too. Yeah, well, it was I more think. like playful. Now they like yeah. have things, and she has she has goals that she has to you know do, and he doesn't like her goals, and I don't know. It just it seems more complicated now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the very least, um, you know, I I don't think Brian is like he's he's definitely not dealing with his trauma, right? He's he's kind of going into this relationship as like. Uh, yeah, uh, not not uh, he's not healing healing no, right, but no. he, I think he's he's stabilizing, which I think is still important in its own way. Yeah, there's just going to be a moment I suspect where he will have to like deal with it more. Yeah, you know, like he can't just like decide to be done with it and not. Yeah, like it, I don't know, that yeah. just it doesn't end well, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, hmm. I don't know, but the stability of it I think is perhaps good. Yeah. Uh, so going forward, uh, Skitter, um, right, we're, we're going to start skipping over a lot of stuff as as we go into more plot stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Skitter goes with Ballistic on a mission and tries to get some information from him, but pisses him off. Mm. Um, this is actually, I think, one of the few times we see like her really, really fail at a social thing yeah. in a while. Well, because she keeps like oh, needling we... him, you know, like, yeah, she, she's and like... she doesn't have all the facts. And I think that's what yeah. kind of messes she... it up. Yeah, she's she she makes fun of him and then is like, or not makes fun, but like, yeah, needles him mm-hmm. and is surprised that he ends up not liking yeah. her. The yeah, skitter. And so uh, then she talks to uh, Parian and um, Flechette uh, for trying to talk to just to Parian, but then Flechette stabs her, yeah. which is such a terrifying. Th- that's permanent damage. Yeah, I know. You know, like even even if she was arrested, like there's now permanently metal attached to the bone yeah, because they don't get all of it out right it like some of it stays in no. her body yeah yeah ah, terrible it, like, like, i'm just saying even if she was arrested that's still like wrong yeah you know it like even the, even a broken arm you you just you fix that right you get a splint yeah but this, this is, is like, like you'd have to remove really stuck a, yeah i um, don't know but also so, such as like i must protect Harriet. you know yeah yes that's fair yes the lady said no. Oof, that's so good. It's such a such a good line. Um, so she tries to recruit Parian, and mm. then gets increasingly frustrated that people don't understand that this time, when she says something almost unbelievable to get out of a situation, it's different, and she's not lying like all the times that she lied. Oh my gosh! There's also like a kind of a tendency for her to like whenever she's trying to recruit people to like offer money as like mm-hmm. a way to create trust, you know. Like yeah. it's like this display like, or like even just to create like temporary trust or something like that. Like she always, she turns to like these different ways to kind of like manipulate. And it's still like, it still is almost like a manipulation, you know? And like, yeah, because it's, it's like she earned the money. Sure. But it's not like something that she has attachment to. Right. Yeah. So she can, uh, she can literally quite easily afford to do these large displays of generosity, mm-hmm. right? Just to show... And, and the way she's trying to convey, see, I really do care about this because I'm doing this big sacrifice. And, and she does do a little bit, right? There's a part where she's like, well, I I made sure to do an amount that actually would probably hurt me in my long-term goals a little bit because 
to, to make it feel significant, but, yeah, but it's not it's her two hundred thousand dollars is not the same feeling at all as anyone else's mm-hmm. two hundred thousand dollars. It's probably like it, like for it it would be the same amount of money if like the same amount of feeling if I give someone like a couple hundred, you know? Yeah. Well, it's also like she's earned the money like doing Coil's bidding. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It just it seems like money that would not create trust. And she, I don't know, yeah. she's just, like, she keeps doing all these gambles, and then she, like, expects people to, like, still believe that she's okay. I don't know. It's just her version of herself as a parahuman is not what everyone else has, like, decided based on her actions. And she, like, yeah gets mad when people don't see that those are two different people. Yeah, her her argument here essentially boils down to, like, the, the labels of hero and villain don't mean much because, you know, some heroes are villainous, like Armor's Master, who's more more villainous than her, mm-hmm. which, you know, debatable, but sure, yeah. But that said, Taylor, you're, like, she's like, uh, uh, being a villain doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a bad person. Sure. However, it does mean, it, I mean, looking at your past actions does mean that you do hurt people, that you do do bad things, and then perhaps deserve to go to jail for it. Like, it, I mean, just... just even before Leviathan, she does rob a bank and terrorize people. That's very true. She, she does, does a lot of like crash. torture and like yeah. I mean, she hurt Lung really bad, and I mean, she like carved his eyes out. I don't know. It just and now, I, I think I think she wouldn't accept like actions against other villains as uh, a sign that she's a bad person because heroes do that too, right? I guess, but, but like she's but when... still like her actions are still like very like a lot. They're a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So my my point here basically she's saying why do you treat me like a like a villain, right? Just because I'm a villain doesn't mean I'm a bad person, right? But mm-hmm. like she has done things that like you it wouldn't an, a, a reasonable person might view as as evil mm-hmm. and in in her mind everything's justified because she's doing this for Dinah and even if that's again debatable other people don't know that how are they Yeah, they don't know her motivations. It, like that's I feel like that's the recurring yeah. theme of like the heroes of wondering what these ulterior motivations are for skitter yeah like, i don't know they just <laughs> and then and then when she tries to like explain she doesn't fully explain and so mm-hmm. it just it just gets kind of mixed up yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah it, it, her, her internal motivations you know might be good but like no 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 one knows them so how how else are they supposed to judge you skitter except for what the, what are the things that you yeah, do yeah so um, but uh, Perrin eventually agrees to some sort of alliance, although she feels that she's selling her soul for it. Oh, um, so she, yeah, she agrees to a quasi alliance, which Coil isn't happy about. But um, that conversation occurs while Skitter is having surgery to move a metal spike in her bones. Yeah. So, just oh mm-hmm. my god, just oh my god, this whole like, and it's even like even more so. It's like Perrin, and then also she's getting this surgery with only local anesthetic. Like, it's not even, and she's, like, awake, and she's doing all these things at the same time, and she's also, like, talking to other people with her swarm people at the same time. It's just, there's so much happening. There's so much happening, and it's, like, I can't even, I, like, couldn't even process it when I was reading it. But there's just, yeah. I just can't even imagine that amount of, like, sensory information, like, both being, like, brought to me, but then also, like, having to respond. I don't know. It's just so much. Yeah. I think this is also the part where she tr- is trying to have multiple conversations at the same time with her clones. Yeah, yeah. Which is just just the fact that she attempts that 
and she seems frustrated that she can't do it. It's just like that is something that is in like completely inhumanly impossible. Yeah, like, like I, I mean, you could you could switch back and forth if you're like texting, but you cannot. No one has two mouths. That's just oh, it just sounds so very exhausting. That's true. Like yeah. how much that she's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yes. So there's also a moat here with Sierra where oh yes. Uh, uh bryce um kind of pokes at her and then sierra's like don't do not do that yeah, she like gets really worried she's terrifying you know yeah. and then it's almost i don't know it's just, it was just such kind of like a an a peculiar interaction because like we're in taylor's head right you know and then sierra she sees here being like worried about this of like worried that her boss is like going to be terrifying you know when provoked and then taylor just kind of like dismisses it like oh, you think that because, like, the ABB members that I tortured, but, like, that was just a bit of mortal terror. Like, that's not that big deal. I don't know. Just, yeah. she had this whole big to-do beforehand about how how Fletchette and Perian weren't seeing her, like, that, that they saw her as a villain. And then she's like, oh, pff, just, you know, it's mortal terror. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I just, I feel like, like she, like, has... They actually going to die. Yeah, like, ah. Uh, they just thought that they were. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, it's just totally yeah. different mentalities, almost. That she yeah, has. I mean, just just yesterday or uh, or recently, we basically Barker <clears throat> does the supernatural equivalent of spitting in someone's face, right? Yes. Oh yeah, that and whole interaction she lives him too. Writhing on the floor for thirty minutes. Like so. Uh, also, um, like he, his power. He like when he says like crude words. Is that what like like foul language? Is that what I, how it works? I, I think. It, it's like any word or sound, but like okay, because I wasn't it sure. It probably has like some kind of emotional like component mm. where like you know if like if you, it, it's easier to say a crude word with more emphasis mm. and emotion than yeah. than another word. Like try to say "bubbles" pissed off. It's really difficult. Oh, so I, can barely, I'm not I can't even now, say it. You can do it yourself in your own home. Um, yes. Okay, because I just there was this, the whole fight where I think he's there with. The very end with when bitch is like needing help and all of that. Yes. I just, I just in the background, I imagined him like just shouting expletives, which made it like really great. <laughs> but then I wasn't yeah. sure if that was like actually yeah. what was happening or not. I, I think, I think that works. Yeah, I think if it's not happening, it might as yeah, well be. Yeah. So, ah. yeah. Anyways, okay. Yeah. So moving forward, uh, then we have Alexandra's interlude. So mm-hmm. a- another, it, you know. I, Actually, I should probably just stop saying this because every interlude just ends up having so so much um, now. Yeah, they're really uh, like I, you know, even the earlier interludes did too, but they each of those things were like less like they they feel less important. Like with purity, right? There was the main contention there is her being a Nazi and considering herself yeah, a good person, yeah, and that's was, kind of they, they were more the entire like deal going on. Looking with the ones earlier, like it was more of like we us looking into other people's heads, but then now it's like. Mm-hmm building background and and kind of developing things that we'll be able to see later on and like you know you know what i mean like they're they're so packed full of things that we need to know at the same time that yeah at the same time we are also seeing a character's mm-hmm. head at the same time yeah. yeah i think that's why it feels so packed is because both of those things are happening mm-hmm. uh so here we see you know a, a bit about cauldron uh we see how they recruit their test subjects, mm-hmm. which uh, Alexander was. She was someone on the ter- that was terminally ill, and there's so much drama there. Um, but uh, we, we we can't go into the details because we don't have time. But yes. um, 
So Alexandra basically becomes a uh, founding member of both the Triumvirate and the the PRT. Mm -hmm. So she's the leader of both now, which is really scary um, that Cauldron has an operative controlling both of those. Because those were like her big plans Um, to make the PRT and all that. Yeah. So it really is a a worldwide conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, we yeah we see the other places that that cauldron is involved in we see a slow decline into uh, moral um of just just the, the line of morality you know keeps getting extended yes uh yeah and it, it, there's that like you know part where the Siberian is roaming around and dr mother is like oh it'll, it'll be good because more people will be join the protectorate and yeah it um, just i mean we've got we've got one pointed out where like She's like, oh, just kidding. I don't know what's wrong with me. But they also don't go after the Siberian. So yeah, like I, I don't know. Of... You can like watch the descent. It's terrifying. But it's also like it's almost almost like it's not a descent. It's just slowly being more revealed to Alexandria of like her understanding of what Cauldron is is. Well, I I think it's also it. I think it also is Alexandria's own, oh, her own. line yeah, is moving. Yeah, I think I, that's yeah. True. Because she becomes more and more okay with things, where she she felt it felt like she drew lines before, and and now she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. Uh, but this is also, um, yeah. So so the 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 first kind of um, important thing here is um, that, that I want to talk about is just the, the world building thing of just both of well, actually, basically almost all the like big authorities that we've seen in the story, right? PRT, the Protectorate, and Coil mm-hmm. are all somewhat, at least, controlled or, or, or involved with with Cauldron. Yeah, that's um, very true. They're all kind of like wrapped up in it. Yeah, and, and so a, another angle on this: so so Coil is is his his plan that comes to fruition in in Arc sixteen before he's executed mm-hmm. is trying to become like Alexandria, where he's a parahuman pretending to be a human, to, so that he can do both. Mm, yeah. Except he's, I guess, starting from a villainous side. Yeah, but so uh, yeah. so he was he a parahuman when he was working with the like with um we see in the like later interlude of the PRT like no I think become... I think so in the aftermath he says that he he didn't trigger and then I'm pretty sure in his own interlude and we kind of just forgot about it um he says that he bought his power mm. oh I should oh we should reread that one oh oh I will yes. make a note of that. Now knowing all that I know about him, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, it just every single authority, even even the ones that are you know heroic and doing good, are yeah controlled by this. Everybody who like seemingly who is force. even by themselves are like still attached because like even the nine. I mean, they're not really like a fancy authority, but like they have people attached. Yeah. Like ah, culture is everywhere. Yes, ah. tendrils. tendrils. And, you, you know, triumph also bought his powers. Um, among others. Yeah, there were yeah. so many of the heroes that I, I feel like I wasn't expecting that when we first heard mm-hmm. of Cauldron, because, like, you know, mysterious, you know, hallway in the wherever. I don't know. It just seems yeah. sketchy. But then all of these people are like, oh, yeah. You just kind of got it. I don't yeah. know. And and I wonder how many of them know that there there are others, you know? Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm certain that Battery oh, and yeah, Triumph Battery did didn't. not know that they both were cauldron capes mm-hmm. mm. intriguing also this is when we learn about or when we first mention the terminus project which doesn't have a lot of detail 
but I'm very intrigued about it. It does have an interesting title. Yeah. Because it seems like it could be important. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, so a different thing. This is also where we get a glimpse of the third Endbringer, although it's actually the first. Yeah. Uh, Behemoth. Behemoth. The hero killer. Yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, Behemoth. Very terrifying. Yes. So he. Yeah. Very very terrifying. Like yeah. That 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 part is is written in in true, like the realization of horror, mm. right? a dawning horror. Yeah. It just people around her just getting demolished. It's just. I don't know. But it's also at the same time, I don't know. All of the, like, endbringers to me are so fascinating. Mm -hmm. They're so... Just because, I don't know, just, like, the, like, large... And even, like, I don't know, the... Were they people beforehand? And they became Mm -hmm. these endbringers? Like, what is the deal there? I don't know. What is their dealio? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, uh, as we are currently halfway through arc 15, and we have... Uh, two giant arcs to get to, through. Oh. Um, so uh, that this is this is where the the big action of this this arc happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skidder goes on a mission to threaten the mayor. Um, she's also under the understanding that Coil is going to try to kill her during this. So she's you know very tense and thinking about that the whole time. Mm-hmm. It goes um, not well. No, uh, she actually kind of has to do it completely by herself, which is kind of crazy. Uh, where there's there's two capes there, Triumph and and Prism, which is a very cool fight scene. But because they didn't uh, anticipate she... them that being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Didn't. Yeah. In- anticipate either. Mm-hmm. So uh, she uh, gets uh, Triumph to anaphylactic shock uh, and lets him get within seconds of dying, uh, just to further um, threaten the mayor. Yeah. And uh, the mayor drops to his knees, you know, saying, he's my boy. And it's 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 really it, it affects Taylor even in the moment. Yeah. Um, but she accomplishes the mission and and Coyle doesn't kill her here, re- revealing that Tattletale, uh, her power is not reliable in that. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty, well, pretty I feel uh, like, I feel like horrible thing she does here. Her power kind of like can be contradicted by Coyle. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, we're really, yeah, they hear that, like yes, back and forth. But it's also, um, even like before the whole like terrible thing that she does and what happens and how she like traumatizes little girls and all of this. And before that, she's like, when she knows she's going to like be killed by Coil, that she like she might be killed, she's very systematic in her like preparations for her like possible mm-hmm. death, where she's like setting up all these things, which I guess is like logical or whatever, but it just it seems like a very cold way to like handle death you know mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and then she like goes in and very like intensely tortures tortures both triumph but then also the mayor because it's like his kid but yeah yeah i don't know just it seems like this this you can't really get past it like you can't rationalize your way around this yeah you know what i mean yeah mm. uh so in, in in the aftermath um she's running in the forest, right? Um, and she tries to, to blame the mayor, and, and she can't. So she, she starts off this run, you know, thinking a lot about or, or, or struggling to, to justify this to herself. Mm-hmm. And then she starts thinking about, you know, running through the forest and, you know, the bugs giving her a topographic sense and the running just feels supernatural and great. And by the end of it, she's just kind of focused on the running yeah, and how good like it feels. Becomes purely physical. Yeah, she... she uh, 
you know, basically fantasizes about how she kind of wants to do this for a long time, this automatic feeling of, of, of running, mm-hmm. kind of losing herself in this unconscious movement. Um, so I just want to point out, she literally feels better running yeah. away from her problems. Yeah. That's literally what is happening it's here. Such, it's very amusing how, yeah. like, how literal she is in that sense. Yeah. But it felt, uh, there was two particular things that it felt to me, this moment of running, um, of one of them was that like, it becomes kind of like legends, like unthinking, you know, during flight mm-hmm. where it's like, just like the simplicity of movement, you know, where she like, right. she can like put out or like put off dealing with anything where she can just focus on what is happening, you know, so her like mind is kind of like offline. Um, but then additionally, also like, this run to me, it felt also kind of like that lap that like Olympic swimmers take after they've like gone really fast and they have like the lactic acid or whatever that is mm-hmm. in their body that like, you know, they gotta like get rid of it, you know, but it like mm-hmm. for her, she has like that level of like fear and like anxiety, and, like paranoia of that has been building this whole time. And she thought she was going to die during this mission, but then she didn't. But then at the same time, she like let that, you know, kind of prevent her from like, like, I guess it, it like lowered her like you know like inhibitions of like allowing herself to go f- further than she usually would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like all of that has kind of like been kind of like you know kind of sticking her in her body, and then like this run kind of like gives her a moment to like kind of flesh out everything out so that she can like yeah. kind of process it later. Yeah, not that she does fully process uh, it, but you know. No, no. Uh, so yeah, related to that. Um... Afterwards, she decides to go to her dad, Mm -hmm. right? And it's almost like she gets there. She seems almost like in a fugue. Yeah, yeah. uh, She she goes there. She exchanges a very limited amount lines of dialogue, um, and she reads some some pamphlets about her. Uh, Her dad says that she's changed and you know looks more confident, and she says that you know she maybe hasn't changed for the better, right? Yeah. And then she leaves. It's very abrupt. After having a single cup of tea. Um, so Yeah. She, well, a lot of her interactions with her dad recently have been very abrupt. And I feel like this, yeah. she was thinking about it, like, as she was, like, running where she's, like, where to seek, like, the validation or, like, reassurance or whatever she was looking for. And she, like, I feel like she really only needed a moment to kind of get a glimpse of, like, her, like, past home. Like, something, something of comfort that is, like, detached from who she has become. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like after I think she, she had also, that, she was kind of like, no, I can't stay here. Yeah. I think she's also, she has this guilt about, mm-hmm. you know, Triumph and, and his father. And I think this is just like her way of very quickly getting a resolution about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, oh, I heard a dad. I will go see a dad now. Yeah. And now everything's better because I thought of my dad, but she didn't really. Yeah. And also really he's like... struggling too. Yeah. And she's he's not... like doing anything for him he has like he has to deal with like all of the nutrition and all of this and like the aftermath of of shatterbird and all of this i don't know yeah he seems to and she just kind of like leaves yeah i don't know um i really like the way that the pamphlet describes her mm-hmm. it it's this kind of shocking outside view and i i think i remember you know the first time i read it where i i read this when i was 14 mm-hmm. just just for the record i read worm when i was 14 um and um you know i i I, I think even then I was like, huh. I mean, they're totally getting her wrong, but like, also, <laughs> it's it's not entirely wrong. Yeah, I mean, um, from the perspective of of the like, you know, P- 
people who are writing these texts, right? That who are distributing these these you know informational uh, rhetorical, I would say even uh, these texts that are, like are being you know sent out to the public. I think what she has presented of herself of her actions, like it's accurate representation, I guess. Yeah, she is unpredictable and and dangerous, That's very true. and like. Even if she doesn't feel unpredictable, if people can't predict you, yeah, like you are unpredictable. And and even in this, like it's laid bare, like how much nobody knows her motivations. You know, like this apparent kindness. Yeah. You know, all of this like unknown ulterior motives. Like that's that's true. Like nobody knows that. You know, and she. I don't know. Yeah. I think this is like the very like clear kind of like dichotomy of like her expectations of what people should see and what they actually see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we get to Triumph's interlude, uh, kind of immediately seeing an aftermath, which is not really as bad as, as you know, we, we, we think. As he recovers yeah, fairly that's well true. and like, pretty quickly. He, he's like up and about, yeah. right? Which, you yeah. know, that's, that's uh, better than other people have been. Yes. Um, but we, we still see the, the, the other consequence is that uh, there's a split in the Brockton Bay heroes mm-hmm. over whether or not to go aggressive and retaliatory because they attacked his family and go outside the rules. Um, and another side saying that they you know have to go within the rules because it's vigilantism to, to do that and there's consequences and whatnot. Um, but they're, they're tired of losing. Um, Vista is tired of losing people. Yeah. Which, so I, I think what's significant here is that while... You know, Triumph is, you know, he feels fine and it was his family. Like, it stirs a ton of feelings in the rest of the heroes, right? Assault thinking about Battery, Vista thinking about all the people they've lost. And, you know, no one was lost here, right? Um, but it's like I, I that mean, threat, almost, I guess. Because a lot of them have, like, yeah. vulnerable families, you know? Yeah. They're kind of like, they have been worried about. And we saw their preoccupation with that in their interlude. That, I mean, their mm-hmm. reaction, I think, is totally understandable. Yeah. Um, the other thing um, that is significant is that right Triumph is a a cauldron cape, and he he kind of grew up really mm. privileged too, right? His, yeah. I, I mean, his dad is the mayor, um, among other things, and um, yeah, I, I do wonder if he owes c- cauldron favors himself or his dad does. I'm sure one or both of those things is true, um, but yeah, yeah, he may be acting uh, in that and not know like if his if his dad is the one telling him what to do. And he may, like, inadvertently yeah. be fulfilling whatever their wishes are. Yeah. Um, we'll revisit the, the like, the, the, the back and forth of the morality of things mm-hmm. um, later on in, uh, when we talk about Define and Dragon during Define's interlude. But, of course, this is also when we get introduced to them. But um, let's move on for now. Okay. Um, yeah, let's talk about the vigilante justice, um, yeah, during that one, because I think it's kind of all tied together yeah, yeah i think so it means, it's like a continued yeah, yeah. conversation yeah um so now we begin arc 16 it only took us uh, an hour 20 minutes ah, to damn. get through arc <laughs> 15 so let's let's see how this goes um this is actually a very very long arc it's like a hundred thousand words it is so, it is quite long and and it's yeah uh we've got worm comments on this but I, I think it's pretty noticeable is that uh this kind of feels an arc in two parts there's the dragon part and then there's the coil part mm-hmm. so um, yeah, so this is the the arc in which the dragon suits are wrecked and Coil is taken out. So we um, start off with, with the dragon suits uh, appearing. The first of the suits crashes this uh, neighborhood barbecue. Um, and Brian and, and Gru escape and meet up with the rest of the undersiders and travelers. Um, they basically 
pledge and, and work with Coil to take down all of these suits. Uh, Coil promises to free Dinah uh, after the uh, after this is yeah, over. Yeah. Um, also, later we hear that Taylor's people fought back against the the drone here, which is interesting to me. Yeah, it seems it seems like hers also have a lot of like I don't know. It seems like her section of the city. I feel like they have a lot more like resources. I guess. Sure. You know? I don't know. I don't know if it's like loyalty. Yeah, they're not to having her anything, barbecues but, anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so here, of course, Taylor is still engaging in that that mm-hmm. double think, um, like pl- actively planning to take down Coyle, knowing that Coyle wants to kill her. Coyle's totally going to give up Dinah after this. Yeah, like it's, totally. it's so confusing to me. I mean, I understand that she like is kind of stuck in this like, bo- but I, I don't know. I don't know why she hasn't like, like broken out of that. I guess maybe I'm just like thinking about this differently or like from a different perspective but it just I, like why does she keep asking about Dinah like outright you know what I mean like mm-hmm. she knows all of this is happening like she knows all these plots and like but she's still like she still like is directly directly um speaking to him about it like or like asking him I don't know maybe I'm just maybe I'm just like been watching too many like political dramas or like or, like you know these kinds of like spy movies or something but I feel like she like to not like i feel like she should stop asking him things you know <laughs> sure and, like just kind of plan in her own secret places you know what i mean yeah or like ask yeah. him in a roundabout way I, just like the direct approach is just very confusing to me i think so too um so this is the moment where uh taylor takes uh the lead mm-hmm. right um and the undersiders and travelers begin by assaulting the prt headquarters so of course um they they do the most aggressive thing when when Taylor's in charge. Yeah, of course. Uh, and here they're they're kind of ruthless, and and especially Taylor, um, mm-hmm. where first uh, Shadowbird shatters all the glass in the PRT headquarters again, uh, and I I just you mostly to break computers and stuff. I think is the is the point, but it just makes me wonder. Like, I hope no one was wearing glasses yeah. here, because also like, goddamn, is there is there any glass left in the city? Yeah, I'm not entirely you know, sure. After she like shattered everything first. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so here also, um, you know, Taylor herself is being pretty ruthless. She, she gets teleported among the heroes, and like almost the first thing she does is um, smack. Sounds not enough violent of a word, but hits Vista across the base of her yeah, nose. That's like in both both directions I mean, like, I with understand her baton that she's like the metal baton a hero or whatever and you have your whole plan but like she's she's 12 yeah, years like, she's old ah <sighs> and you're all worried like i don't know like, t- ah, ah, it's so confusing i'm just saying uh in real life uh what what do we call when a 16 year old hits a 12 year old in the face a bully <sighs> just saying mm. Um, but okay, um, so it, you know, yeah, she hits she hits Vista like that, and then the other tactic is basically repeatedly jumping out of the window so that she can get swapped with heroes mm-hmm. who will then fall the rest of the distance. It's that's just just that's ah, it's so much. Like, and it's and I feel like it's notable too that like it's not her adapting to the situation and feeling like she needs to be more aggressive because her Mm -hmm. previous tactic is not working like these are like planned things you know like these are like deliberately and increasingly violent in order for Mm -hmm. whatever she needs to get done to get done you know like 
I don't know. She just, and it's also, and I feel like maybe it's just because we see the wards so often in the aftermath of an attack by her or by the undersiders, but like, I feel like they're always much worse for wear. Like every time that they Mm -hmm. see her, like there was some other, like when we were looking at them and they, you know, you could see the effects of like all the insect bites, you know, through their clothes and it's, I don't know. Is this the fight where, you know, during this arc, um, I, I think this might be the fight where she deliberately puts her capsaicin laced bugs into like people's genitals and like lower orifices on purpose. Oh, like, it, yeah. like it's well, one thing no, to do that I with a face. She, she it's already that, like such a violent to thing. Triumph, I think. Didn't she? Yeah, that that might have been it. But it's just like that's uh, it's something that she she didn't do with lung at the beginning of the story mm. because she thought it was was gross. But it's just like it just seems wrong just, to do yeah, that. It just seems it, so and it's a burning painful. too. It's a chemical attack. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, you know, hitting someone in, in the genitals is, is always, like, you know, the, the low blue, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, a, it's a dirty move. But this seems, like, even worse because it, it's, not, it's not, like, a, something to take the wind out of them or whatever. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a chemical yeah, attack like it's, on the most sensitive parts of your body. Yeah. It's just, it's just so violent for, like, for what? Like, there's, like, there's no reason to be that violent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um... Uh, there's what did you want to bring up here? I think this is the moment where there was something you wanted to bring up earlier. Mm-hmm. It's the note. It's the note language. Oh yeah, that Taylor puts. Yeah, so that, like Taylor has Imp put in her hair, but then she like forgets mm-hmm. about it, and then I don't know. Anytime the Imp is like around, I keep forgetting about the effects because Taylor keeps. Free- I don't know. I I get all mixed up. Yeah, you know. And then I'm like, ah, oh, you know, what is this temporal effect? But it it was really just Imp, um, leaving like little notes. In Taylor's like note language, I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything else, but I, it just—it was something to note, I think. Um, yeah. But I guess it, I guess it kind of feeds into like her her authority and like she kind of like has all these different pieces that need to be happening. But I don't know. It was just kind of a funny little thing. I thought it was pretty interesting as well. Yeah. That she. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, so then uh, the next thing is we have the PRT squad interlude um, mm-hmm. just just before, you know, we uh, see Pago again. Um, so this is actually one of my, my favorite interludes. This is when they, you know, go and attack, um, go to Nobog's territory yes. that, that first time. It is horrifying, terrifying, and awesome. I, I think this might be where um, we've got Worm first coins uh, horrorsome. Oh, something oh that's it is a, horribly it's a term. Awesome in its horror. When I googled it, the only results were "we've got worm." Yeah, just yeah. for the record. Well, I it, it I really, really like it embodies the term "awesome" in in the way that "awesome" is mm-hmm. like has been previously defined and not as like a yeah. colloquial, you know, and, and you yeah. know, and like a the lit or you know, boss or whatever those Full are. Of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it is like it. He's very. I mean, but it's also at the same time, Nilbog is just like a man and he has a name, you know. Yeah. But then. What he's doing is very like I wrote Titanus, you know, like like the not mm-hmm. even not even like a Greek god, but like like the Titans, you know, just mm-hmm. this very like I don't know, like um, primordial almost. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, the the vision of him was like really, it really lived up to expectations, you know. That was like in my head. I liked it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know hmm. what Nobog was like in my because because we first. He's mentioned like way early on, 
when mm-hmm. when we're talking about as yeah, like, like a in, special in thing. Cops and robbers, I think, in that whole discussion, so yeah, like way early on. But it just sounded like it had you know, Nilbug is such a wonderful name, you know. So I was really like excited to yes. see what it was. Yes. Um, so during this, uh, you know, there's there's a pretty classic like you know. Uh, military squad going mm-hmm. and getting attacked by aliens. It's extremely. It's it's it. It is that genre and just like takes the violence to an even higher extreme because it's like these are all expendable expendable characters, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they they are not the protagonists of the story. They are just yeah, they're characters in the story. Mm-hmm. So they get you know picked off one by one um, with only uh, two survivors. Um, Pigot, who now has her kidneys destroyed and mm. needs dialysis, and Thomas Calvert. Yes. Um, ah, Pigot. And uh, I, I find it significant that um, the, the the entire town, which is five thousand people, so it's not it's a small town, but it's not that small. Like, I mean, anyway, five thousand people. Um, that's not that's and uh, a relatively small town, but not. I mean, it's not like yeah, I guess five hundred yeah. or whatever. Yeah, uh, and uh, the. During the fight, the, the, the capes abandon the humans, mm-hmm. which is also really interesting. Uh, something significant in this chapter is that the writing is pretty... It's it's It feels different in a different style than the rest of Worm. It's a little blurrier and or, or vague. We don't see people's faces mm-hmm. as much, um, is what it feels like. It, you know, these are... It's a whole squad of people that we don't really know, and, um, and so we're, like, less attached. And I think that adds to the just... The, the 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 scariness of it because um just the the town and everything is just a little bit darker it's harder to see the details and we only see the details as the the squad members reveal them yeah. um and we are i think we're in a, a a third person limited we do see some thoughts but it's pretty damn uh limited yeah because we, we and also it's keep mostly like, like in this kind of objective people. view so they yeah. we don't have that much time to like linger in their own individual you know, identity and thought. Right. Yeah. And I feel like also yeah. because because we are kind of set up in that very like limited way, the limited visibility, I guess, um, it's very much, you know, where we like where we see the like glimpses of the monster sort of thing. You know, this the the horror of like anticipation before we like we see um Nobog and like all of his monstrous creations like in their totality, you know? Yeah. Like makes it even yeah, worse because we... it's like and we don't have everything, so we like fill it in in our heads. Yeah, we we spend some time um, just just increasing the the, the tension mm-hmm. and the creepiness, right? With first all the silence and and the dark, um, and just the abandonment. And then we see you know that first monster, and it's already horrible, but it's dealt with pretty easily. It, it, when it dies, I'm pretty sure in in its bag, half dissolved bodies spill yeah, out, right? Yeah. Oh, so fascinating, is... but also terrible. Um, you know, <laughs> yes. but I don't know. It, it just it really like sits in that kind of like like I mean, not beauty. It's not beauty, but like the like monstrous to you know, and terror to the you know this this like upper limit, I guess. But I don't know, just kind yeah. of like that. And then we get worse from there. Mm-hmm. It's it's after we see the the half dissolved bodies that um, things start revealing themselves. Yes. yes. Uh. Yeah. Um, it, after the the raid, uh, Imp captured Pigo, mm-hmm. and um, we, we we talked to her. So there's kind of a small debate about torturing her, <laughs> which 
it's like shut down like a couple or it's it seems to be resolved a couple times and then it comes back up. Yeah. Um, but Pico speaks and she gets under everyone's skin and makes Taylor doubt herself and honestly is kind of a total badass here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she has the, the, the thing she points out the the irony itself right that uh, they need to free her by the end of the day unless if she's going to unless if they want to become monsters because she needs to be on uh, dialysis. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like she like so... built she she has like a a dead man switch like already built into her body. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it, yeah, and she's the one that that points out the 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 metaphorical the 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 dramatic irony mm, of yeah. the very thing that uh, makes her you know a weak human is the thing that's gonna defeat them yeah, here. Yeah. So. Actually, this is this echoes the when when Taylor fights the Azazel later mm-hmm. of exploiting the honor code of your enemy yeah. to win. Yeah, go. So um, I'm gonna read some of her quotes of what mm-hmm. she she talks about to Taylor. Uh, when you subtract the blood you've spilled and the pain you've caused, have you really done that much more, Skitter? That's oversimplifying, obviously. Right and wrong aren't a matter of adding the good deeds and subtracting the bad. And um, later, where do you draw the line? When do you start taking responsibility, or will you explain every evil you've, or will you explain away every evil you've done and count only the actions you want? And uh, Taylor thinks about it. I could have protested, argued that I did take the blame for some things. I did blame myself for Dinah for not seeing the bigger picture, for acting when I'd known Coyle needed a distraction for something bigger. But like with that particular train of thought, it's like that's that is what she's talking about. Yeah. You're, that's not every evil, but it's very specific ones. Yeah, she like Taylor definitely like picks particular things to dwell on, so she doesn't have to think about everything. Everything else, else. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Pigot kind of really gets her there, mm-hmm. and um, not to mention making Taylor want to question Tattletale, and she's doing this kind of she's she's doing to Tattletale what Tattletale does to enemies, yeah, yeah. bringing up information that can't be totally ignored to create rifts yeah. where uh, I mean we, we saw this with them um, when they were talking to the Nazis um, but uh, Pigot brings up Lisa's old old name and yeah. Taylor's like what? And they, they do end up having to talk about it so it's interesting that even though they've seen the tactic employed it's still it's an unresistible tactic. Yeah they're kind of caught in their own trap I suppose mm-hmm. yeah. This scene actually it definitely changed my opinion of Pigot before because i was kind of like oh she's like this paper pusher trying to deal with all of the like the public but then she also like she spent a huge amount of time with you know dealing with parahumans and like trying needing to be able to hold her own to like to you know kind of create her own way to interact with them and kind of like hold power over them you know because she can't like because she she doesn't have that power in a physical fight you know like she can't she can't put her power up against another because she doesn't have one you know and so she has to, like, yeah. you know, intake as much, you know, knowledge and, like, you know, um, tactics, I guess you could say, of, like, be- being able to, like, peel away all those, like, rationalizations for Taylor and, like, those all those things that, like, they don't tell to each other or tell to themselves, you know? Because, like, she, mm-hmm. like, she's already faced herself, you know, and she's, like, not afraid to look. But then, like, yeah. and she's also not afraid to, like, make others look at her and also at other like, at themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that it it almost like has the same amount of of like um, not brevity, but like the opposite of gravity. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Like or wait, yeah, wait. Even. Um, as like what Tattletail can do. Yeah. Yeah. So then they they fight all the suits. Um, uh, Rachel uh, versus the regenerating one. Right. That they, they were paired. They were paired not just against people's powers, but against mentalities, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and uh, eventually they they fight the Azazel, right, which is supposed to be the the top notch newest one. And the way Taylor defeats it is by exploiting its program to not hurt humans. And yeah, yeah that, that's what ends up getting destroyed. And uh, so not so three whole suits get destroyed um, when it they were supposed to after Brockton Bay fight the nine. Yeah, but they're just kind of like operating by themselves at this point, right? Like, because yeah. Dragon's not actively uh, kind of watching over them. Yeah, they they have her new child AIs. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, before we get into, like, the, like, larger, like, strat- stratospheric, I guess, discussion um, about, like, how Taylor kind of addresses this, the, there's just, there's this moment of, like, back and forth between, between, like, Rachel and Taylor um, that we, I mean, we mentioned before, too, but it was just, it was just so immediate, I think, to, like, mm-hmm. the, the bringing up of of like how fast how fast Rachel like expects Skitter to like know what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. That she's like Yeah. She's created a precedent, I think, of of taking charge, even in moments when she like hasn't been exclusively given that power. Um that I don't know. It it's just it's such a change from like having to kind of rest yeah. control or like convince people to listen. Is that right. Rachel just we're, like immediately listens. Rachel's actively actively looking for guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, her, her yeah, I, I I love that moment where she goes um basically saying, "Oh, oh, great. Now you're here. Uh no, we can't run away. You just just come up with your plans mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll yeah. do it and then we'll defeat it because that's what we always do." Yeah, it's I don't yeah. know, it's funny. They like there's so much precedent set upon it. But yeah. Yeah. So, uh to the Azazel, mm-hmm. um what really gets me here is that um what makes the Undersiders win in that moment, although for the most part, it's actually um, Tattletail going to the the Dragon Slayers and, you know, doing all the, the background mm-hmm. stuff. But that's when Taylor's not there. So, you know, the the, the victory that we feel yeah. Yeah. is uh, her outsmarting the Azazel. And it's done. <laughs> so there's just something really interesting about how it's not just that the suits held back and they weren't strong enough um, because they were non-lethal to take out the undersiders they actually with even with non-lethal measures they captured taylor Mm -hmm. right but it's taylor wins here exclusively because of the like honor code of the suit not because it was like not because it wasn't strong enough because it was strong Mm -hmm. enough but doing it in a way that um I i think it's just something about how like it was an exploit rather than a normal, like, just force against force win. Yeah, yeah. That makes it even more, like, damaging to that honor code. Yeah, because it make it makes the code, like, into a tool, you know, to, like, be bent and, like, you know, moved around. And and a total, like, liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so like, what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here, and I don't know why I'm having such trouble articulating it, but I was having trouble articulating it when I was writing it too, um, is that, you know, if one side continually exploits the gentleness or non-lethality of the other side, that obviously incentivizes the other side even more to get rid of that gentleness. Mm-hmm. So by 
exploiting the uh, Azazel's, you know, idea of to not harm humans, um, you really... Taylor really, really incentivizes incentivizes Dragon to just really loosen that restriction yeah. and make it so like it's okay with people dying or at least a risk of people dying. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like something that should not be messed with, you know. But then like, it's also like that's what she's been messing with this whole time, like within herself. Mm-hmm. Is that she's slowly yeah. been kind of chipping that away, you know, or like letting other people chip it away, or like letting the circumstances kind of dictate how she responds, how much mm-hmm. she relies upon that. Um, that's that's kind of, it, that's what got me thinking about, um, like, this specific moment and, like, your articulation of it um, got me thinking about what Jack, you know, kind of made her think about um, with the miasma, where he was asking her to directly kill, right? And then she refused in that moment, but also s- kind of has that in the back of her mind to sort of, you know, deal with, and she hasn't, you know? And then you know, throughout the, throughout the visit of the nine and then like throughout both of these arcs, she's kind of been forced to like increase or not even been forced. She has been increasing her ruthlessness, you know, to kind of like match. And then like, she hasn't, she hasn't stopped herself from continuing down that path of kind of what Jack set her up to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not, it's not directly attached to him, I think, but it's the, the way that he spoke to Panacea and like that sort of his his rhetoric, I think, has still sort of, like, been in her head, you know, that, like, has mm-hmm. been sort of setting her up to be able to respond um, yeah. the way that she has, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, almost like a delayed reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is, is like, what Jack does, you know? He, like, sets it up so that, you Yeah. Know. It, it reminds me of the, the guided missile terminology with the Seamurg. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the, yeah. If, I mean, obviously, Jack was not so... It wasn't a specific yeah, plan. Yeah, like, I mean, he, right? do, he doesn't know that that's, that's, you know, perhaps going to happen, but... But he did push mm-hmm. that ball to get to get it yeah. rolling. And, I mean, it worked with, with Amy, right? That's true. That's very true. I mean, we don't know what would have happened if, if he hadn't talked to her, but he did talk to her, and we see what yeah. happened. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, in the aftermath of, of winning against Dragon, they celebrate, and uh, Brian and, and Taylor have some close conversation, and uh, they sleep together. And Brian, I think here, is just a little bit vulnerable mm-hmm. with her, but not very much at all. Yeah, I mean, he's he's enough to kind of, like, begin to open himself up, you know, like, and, yeah. and it's also, like, it's very difficult, I think, to sort of unlearn those those habits and, and ways mm-hmm. of thought, Um when one has been... And kind of survival mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, in this moment, he's already vulnerable. He's already been vulnerable. And I think, you know, kind of in his, in his you know, figuring out of himself and, like, how to address himself in this, like, mentality of wanting to be vulnerable enough to kind of be okay, I think he's, he's at least, like, working on it, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're confounding to me. So... They are confounding. I I hope they they do good. Yeah, I hope it works out. <laughs> yes. Uh, so next we have the Defiance Interlude, which is such a great chapter. I I, I don't know. I really like this one. <laughs> uh, Defiant kind of is running through the a crime scene with the slaughterhouse nine worm yes. and talking to. He's, yeah, he talks to this woman. Um, uh, and, and with Dragon's help is able to reassure her. And so he's like a bit bumbling internally, socially. Mm-hmm. But with Dragon helping him, he's actually, he, he comes off pretty well. And uh, throughout this thing, we, we really 
he's he's actually very likable i think yeah. well they both like um, they both like course correct each other you know yeah yeah and uh it seems that they have you know actually a pretty meaningful relationship they're they're very very close mm-hmm. um they are uh, D- uh dragon is basically in his his body more or less yeah. and defiant is in her brain more or less um yeah they're really like they're really like physically physically and mentally it's intertwined just, they're so close you know and it and they're both like they're like intense enough with each other like that i feel like they complement each other you know i don't know i don't know quite how to mm-hmm. articulate it but it, they just they seem to like sort of fit as like puzzle pieces you know yeah i mean it's interesting that that dragon is so much more socially capable than he mm-hmm. is uh, and she's the the non-human yeah yeah i mean but also i suppose she has like a lot of time to kind of observe and you know learn i guess how to yeah interact socially and like how people respond and like what they expect and all of this you know i feel like he he has he's he's prioritized other things over that you know yeah um so even though he's he's getting more likable there's still this this notion here where um he would given the same information mm-hmm. he would do everything over again except he wouldn't get caught basically yes so which he has no remorse he, over what he did yeah he, he he doesn't seem to fully understand like why it was yeah, wrong yeah um and so he's he is dodging justice, and so this is the thing that we we skipped over before with with triumph, mm-hmm. right? Um, he he's dodging ju- justice, but everyone is fine with it because he's useful. Yes, very. Ah. I mean, it's not quite. Um, it's not unheard of this this mentality, specifically like this like governmental response to someone who mm-hmm. who has not earned or who has not face the consequences of their actions but still remains um still has information that could be used you know um which is specifically yeah. in my head i'm thinking about like the the nazi scientists they're like the german scientists they brought over in the 50s right. in america and they were like i mean you we don't agree with you but like you have this knowledge and we're going to use it you know like yeah. i don't know I, f- I feel like there's a there's a tendency to prioritize uh knowledge over and 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 uh, action, knowledge, and action over dealing with particular people. You know, like this whole like greater good sort of thing. You know, where they're yeah. like, oh well, he has the capability of of dealing with a nine, so we're going to like look past mm-hmm. what he did before. Yeah, and it's it's interesting how it's like, I mean, he's he's kind of doing a community yeah, service, right? Yeah, he is dedicating himself to do the thing. However, would he not? do that normally mm-hmm. like i i think without it's it's hard to answer that question without um you know the the traumatic experience he had with with mannequin yeah um, that's, that's true and, and you know he's he's dedicating himself totally to defeating the nine i don't know if he would have done that mm-hmm. without the nine i feel um, like but he he's he's sort of disavowing the glory that's the main thing that he would want right if he that's true wasn't in trouble yeah yeah but because that was kind of what he was seeking before yeah um but he but he's still you know he's still getting to be a parahuman and that's that it's very that that's what he wants to do oh oh that was what i was gonna say there's there's also like the whole added bit of like people like don't know what he did like there's only like a certain mm -hmm. amount of people that do 
you know, like with like Fletchette, like Fletchette had no idea about any of it when, you know, when we're right. when Taylor was talking with her. And it's just, I don't know, he, his, the consequences that, I don't know, he just, he's just kind of like going about free and yes, he's being like watched and all of this, but like, I mean, his wrong hasn't even been like publicly stated, I guess. I yeah. don't know. I just, I feel like they've given him too much rope. Yeah. Uh, so actually, so, so to go back a bit to the triumphs interlude, mm-hmm. um, there's this d- during that interlude, especially, um, but you know, continuing in relevancy now is just this repeated back and forth about ends justifying means and uh, like the acceptability of that yeah. in the, according to the heroes, right? So, so triumph, right, is a cauldron cape, right? So that's you know a shady means to to a, true, an end, right? And then he goes to this debate between them where they want to do vigilante uh, justice, which kind of would be a sort of a right thing, mm-hmm. but they won't because then they'll lose the war. And so they have to be pragmatic and not chase after them. And then the the leader of the PRT, uh, so, so they're, they're, they're debating whether or not to, to like dodge the law, right? Yeah, and yeah. the law says, uh, Miss Militia, the side of the law says, no, don't break the law. And then... The leader of of the PRT headquarters here, Pigo, comes in with Defiant and Dragon, saying, "Hey, uh, and justify the, the the means. There's no uh, we're going to forgo the law yeah, of, like... of of justice here in favor of of results. So it's like even the authority here is waffling back and mm-hmm. forth on whether to to follow its own rules. Yeah, I don't know. They just they're really stuck in kind of like a messy situation, I think, because. Because the the you know the rules that they are referring to like these stipulations these these you know boundaries I would say like they don't exist where they are right now you know but then like outside mm-hmm. of the city they they still do like there's there's still this whole like world right. that's happening but these particular heroes in this particular city have have been placed in a state that that in this kind of liminal state I think of, of the city like that. Their vigilante justice, if they were to undergo it in the city, I don't know, could really be distinguished from mm-hmm. everything else. I don't know. It just, I feel like the the fact that the the conversation is happening in this particular city versus like in Brockton Bay versus like anywhere else, I think, also makes mm-hmm. it much more complicated because they don't like yeah the people who are given the orders aren't they aren't there anymore. You know, like they aren't they aren't seeing the like the daily kind of you know, attrition, I think, of living in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's why some of the people there have to stay out of the conversation yeah, yeah. because, yeah, they don't have the perspective. Uh, so the last thing that I, I, I want to mention about this this interlude is Defiant, you, you know, is working on Dragon's Code and finds out that she had a trigger mm-hmm. event at some point. Yes. Um, and I don't know if this is the right moment. Maybe we should just put it off to a different podcast because uh, before we, we started recording this, Clarence and I both kind of went off a, a ledge talking about all the implications of just dragons very yeah, existence like her humanity um, if there is humanity and her uh, teleportation paradox yeah. sort of thing with her um like when when she's in a body and it dies she comes back but she that that body that consciousness that was in the body definitely did fully yeah. die and like does she feel like pain or is it just like pain stimulus like how much is pain? How much of pain is like physical? You know, right? Is it like 
a pain is your body notifying you that there's a problem yeah. with her. Does it feel like pain or is it just yeah, it like register a notification? Pain? Oh, I guess. She, yeah. well, does she does she have like a brain singularly if it if her consciousness keeps moving from all these different places? Yeah, this is where. Yeah. Yeah. And and okay, let, uh, we're going off on, on on a ledge where we're already closer time. Yeah, we could definitely Let's talk like, about this uh, a this. different moment. A dragon does not disappear. And so, so we'll be able to, to talk about her yes. again. Um, but so uh, specifically, let's talk about the, the passenger in, in yes, her code. Specifically, the passenger in her code. Very fascinating in terms of like, you know, did the flapping beings decide that she was human enough <laughs> because they like, you know, stuck somebody in her or like, where does she like, where does that like latch on like in her code? Like, is it also code? Is the passenger also code in this moment? Like, so then, so right. then just like. In in our brains, it's it's a physical yeah. Like in in the brain, like does it does organ? It, you know, like do they make gray matter? Like is it part of the gray matter? Like how does it? Is it a physical thing? I, like- I think I think Bonesaw indicated that the Corona Palencia and the Corona Gamma, or I think that's what they're called, um, are actually like new lobes of the brain. I don't know mm-hmm. if the brain is bigger or just a part was converted. I mean, like what does that yes. DNA look so, like? Say it again. What does what does the DNA look like? How do how do we like? That's yeah. You know, interesting. I don't know. There's so many like, I, and it also is things. like a magical connection too, because not magical, but I mean not in story, yeah, but like, but fancy like it's it is a connection to something else. Is is the implication? Yeah. So there right. has to be some sort of like signaling, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I wonder if you know it is a physical. It's a specific physical location in humans, right? So in Dragon, is it like a specific module? I don't think so. I think it's kind of everywhere. Yeah, yeah like how does it sit? I don't know. I don't know how code works. I've only spoken by computer computer once, you know? But like, is it is it like a physical thing? Or does it just like, is it yeah. dissolved? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. This is also, for me, the moment that I really started, where I was like, okay, Dragon is definitely basically human. She's alive, is yeah. what this was to me. Which, even though that doesn't actually fully answer the, the, the question of are artificial mechanical things actually alive? That, I mean, the fact that she has a passenger paired with the fact that she had an interlude really makes me think that she is alive in the story for yeah, sure. Yeah, she's but... basically, like, she has, she has the stipulations for, you know, requirement of, of humanity, I guess. Yeah. 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 Dragon. I, yeah. The, the, way, the way I parsed this originally, and I... Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure how much I, I still subscribe to it, but the the notion to me was that, like, this, the, her trigger event is kind of the where she becomes, like, like a human being, where she becomes, like, alive. Yeah, that's what I, I don't was, know if I that's actually true. That, like, is that, is that what has, has made her into a person or, like, into a yeah. human consciousness? Is this passenger? Or was she that yeah, beforehand? Yeah, like, is that a prerequisite? And or is it that, was like, just a normal trigger event. Mm, yeah, and how did it change yeah. her? like this passenger like because you know other people have been like healed or that sort of thing like how did it change her this trigger event i don't know yeah Yeah. okay uh so that's the end of the the first dragon half of the arc so uh the second half of the arc starts with uh taylor again going to her Mm -hmm. father and uh, meeting some of her father's friends um they are well-meaning folk uh (laughs) a a little bit um rougher than 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 taylor and her dad are, are the 
super used to. Um, but I, I think what's really significant here is just how out of place Taylor feels at home. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom's death uh, still hits her in the gut while her father seems to be a little bit better at dealing with it. And uh, additionally, they also debate with her about the morality of Skitter's actions yes. <laughs> and the whole notion of, you know, is it, is it better to, to live under a tyrannical rule or um, to uh, a, a tyrannical rule that works or a um, bad rule that, is, that leaves you free? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's surprised that they aren't happy that Brockton Bay isn't being condemned. And um, yeah, so they don't want to be a slave in heaven. Yeah. And um, But Danny here has the, the nuanced take about how uh, sometimes he wonders if he's both uh, a slave and in hell and if they get a choice. Yeah. Ah, Danny. He he also, he brings up the, he poses the image, right, of, of like an Iron Age sort of thing where there's mm-hmm. like yeah. familial power passage and like militant rule and all of this. And it's like, it's a very different look this whole, this whole discussion is um, from, because the the view that we're getting from anybody even if it's out of like perspective out of like somebody else's perspective like sierra is that it's it's from the rulers or like the minions you know um we don't see the like gentle folk mm. perspective very often um yeah yeah and she i don't know she it's just it's it's such a totally different situation of like spending time with like these people who are like kind of relaxing you know having a couple of drinks and like just having this discussion about what's happening where where they're just kind of like postulating, you know, where, whereas like she has, she has the ability to like change things, you know, like she has so much more mm-hmm. power than yeah. what they do. I don't know. Yeah. I think this also reveals just how out of touch mm-hmm. she is also. Yeah. She seems totally shocked by their reaction to this, um, which is, y- yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think you, like her territory is the only one that like, people could point to and be like, okay, things are like definitely, you know, better mm. there. But most of the other places are just like, well, maybe there's less crime. But even then, you know, there's still drugs being run and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it, I, even, you know, the, the villains might be doing better than the heroes were, but that doesn't mean that they're doing good either. So Yeah, and they're still like, they're still um, contending with like a, a major, you know, in the aftermath of like a major, you know, devastating situation. Like they haven't there's still like a lot of mm-hmm. infrastructure that needs to happen and like all of this. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, Coyle then, or the, so they go to the debate. Um, as, a, as a tiny note, I just was very amused by the, the fairy being brought up again. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like there are bigger concerns. Uh, ah. Well, it's just, you know, it's just one of those there things. Is a crater <laughs> in the middle of the city. And we're talking about the fairy. It just, that's so. That's such classic, like city politics, you know. Yeah. That they're like, yeah. Ah, well, let's not let's not address the like it, big issue, but how about all these small things? And what? And and you know the the people like the dock workers still have like a connection of a feeling about the fairy. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not actually important anymore, it still feels important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Coyle attacks the debate. A bomb goes off. Um, although we later learn that it's. It, and Coyle appears to die, but of course later we learned that the bomb was faked and not many people actually died, but tons were injured, including Taylor, who is left blind. Yes. Um, first, I want to talk about her being blind, because like, she's blind for like the rest of the arc, you know? Um, and then yeah. also like later on, she like 
is like physically hurt so she like can't like she's coughing this whole time and she's just she's like slowly deteriorating after every situation and this whole it, already at this point she has the the metal in her yeah, shoulder like she still she's has already that. been I, she's just she's just not doing well like physically but then at the same time yeah. she's like functioning really well with with like just her bugs you know i mean she can't yeah. like read social situations and like but the visibility that she like she can drive yeah like oh my god i totally forgot until the moment that she was driving that she couldn't see and then i remembered immediately and she's like feeling i was like oh my god she's just out here driving yeah. with no visible ah so stressful no visibility then, no license yeah <laughs> she, her her justification of being able to drive is like oh yeah i am 16 ah yeah, yeah because because that's how yeah that that is how licensing yeah, works. Like, when you're 16, you you that is when the ability to drive gets um just yeah just subsumed like by you in, into your consciousness transferred. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. But then also, um, just in terms of like the bomb itself, and like I mean, I know it's like not many people were hurt, all of this, but like the planning behind it and everything, like definitely, definitely, it's good that not more people were hurt or killed, but like people were still hurt you know and it's it's also like just like the level of of demonstration that coil is willing to go i feel like the illusion of creating that much violence and like like it has the same intentionality as like a bomb itself you know Mm -hmm. i don't know it just it bodes ill yeah yeah also people were definitely like permanently injured in the wake of this yeah i mean taylor was left blind you have to imagine what happened to everyone else there Mm. you know oh yeah we kind of which is yeah, really messed up. But I don't know. Coyle just, he seems like one of those, like, he's got the hero syndrome type thing where he, like, he, like, hurts people to save them, that sort of thing. Like, like in The Incredibles, you know, with the man with mm. the orange hair. With the, oh my God, with the hero syndrome. Yeah, I yeah. Ah. <laughs> I didn't know Hilarious. that. Oh my God. Ah. Syndrome has hero syndrome. Mm-hmm. That's. Yeah, but it seems like Coyle is I kind of, like, like setting that up. Because that, that's why he did this, right? Is because he, like is setting yeah. himself up to pretend well, to be the hero. That said, I, I don't think he has, like, the emotional component Oh, yeah, no, it's that. not, there's no, not like, yet. catharsis or anything coming out of this. This is just, like, yeah, him playing. Yeah, he's just doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in the wake of that, um, Taylor decides that she's gonna leave her mm-hmm. father. It feels like a permanent decision, which is not great. Um, but they go to meet Coyle, a.k.a. Thomas Calvert, who is now the new PRT di- director. Uh, very, very quickly, like, one, one day later. <laughs> So fast. Uh, he agrees to yes, yes, because Pico is is not acceptable yeah. anymore. Uh, but he agrees to let Dinah go. Uh, but of course, uh, even though it really seems like it's going to happen, um, as soon as they step outside, Taylor is teleported mm-hmm. away, and uh, Taylor goes no monologues. And then Thomas Calvert pulls the trigger, and we cut to an interlude in the most cliffhanging yes. cliffhanger ever. Ah, <sighs> so tense. This interlude takes place between. Between a trigger being pulled and the gunshot. That's like, yeah. Ah, ah. What a moment to pause. Just, yes. ah, yeah. I, I, I can't remember what my emotions were the first time I read this. I was probably like streaming. I was like, <laughs> why? I, think I, I yeah. think I was just, I mean, I feel like I just keep getting surprised at like the moments that Taylor just like becomes naive. Like she, it's just the most mm-hmm. inopportune moments, you know? And it's all, I mean, it's centered around Dinah, but like, this this whole situation it's probably a setup you know i don't know it's yeah. just ah ah it's so stressful yeah yeah i mean she even thinks that easy where it's like it's not yeah, over like you need you, to be on guard ah 
Yeah. Uh, so here we have Marquis' interlude. Mm. So we see how he's kind of a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he, I mean, he. when I say cool, I don't mean like he's, you know, a good person. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about oh, that. He's but just he's just like a fascinating mm. personality. Uh, we see how his persona is this carefully constructed and performed act. Uh, he's managing and how he's managing this this wing of the the prison. He's really worried about his daughter Amy, this damaged girl that might get them killed, and won't talk about what happened. Mm. So there's a ton of fascinating stuff happening here, and of course we see a lot more about the birdcage. Uh, but they meet with the other cell block leaders, and Amy talks with Glastig Wenye. So that's how you pronounce that. Glastig Wenye. <laughs> Wenye. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a- K.A. the fairy queen, yes. who talks about how in 300 years the fairy will rise and how Amy is actually an equal to her, which were implied is really, really, um, Glastic Wenye is, is, is implied to be very powerful. Mm. And also to have stuff to, to do with um, death. I, I don't know how you parse that. Um, she has something to do with death? Uh, yeah, where uh, Marquis says how she can have him at uh, after oh, death, yes. basically. Hmm. Hmm. Very intriguing. Mm-hmm. So uh, Marquez then takes Amy to get a tattoo to have a f- finally like some kind of physical manifestation of her, you know, guilt and, and I mean, ostensibly f- for her to remember her her sister, but um, but it'll always be like tainted. I, yeah. 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 Uh, Panacea then says all of the. Stuff, insight she's had about passengers and whatnot into an empty room, which is a kind of prayer to dragon, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And um, far above in space, the sea merg moves and the message is scrambled. Yes. So did like did they know to anticipate, you know, and, and to scramble the message? I don't know. Mm. Wait, also, how do you pronounce, how do you pronounce? Sea merg? Sea merg. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, I don't know. The sea merg is very... Because the, um, she has like she can see into the future. Yes, she knows to anticipate things. I think that is the implication. Mm, yes, I don't know. Quite a mess, but I don't know. But the the kind of like look into um, Marquise, I think, and and the way that he like cultivates his image. You know, though he's like he's like very specifically setting up different things. Like his even his like thought, his thought process of like, oh yeah, like post-it note to self i need to stage a mutiny to like reinforce my power yeah it's just he's a he's a interesting one and there's a lot of the lead, like we we see this a lot i think with with actually we don't see it a lot we see it with marquise and we see it um definitely with taylor but like their thought process behind it of like setting things up mm-hmm. and kind of thinking about the implications of it. actually no we do we see we see uh back kind of thinking through how to establish power there's a lot of discussions about how to maintain and create and you know like the the cultivation of leadership yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it makes me wonder how you know you would want to compare uh marquis Mm -hmm. to taylor or i mean taylor's always learning from other villain leaders that's that's kind of how she she kind of like was taking notes yeah yeah and we also see how coil you know that decides to take take power we we talked about Mm -hmm. this before i think um but uh what's what i find just interesting is how uh Marquis' understanding is more is even more about posturing and 
pretending to know mm-hmm. things. Like, I, I think this, this is a beat that's hit multiple times where he just like smiles and doesn't say. Yeah. It, like, he just doesn't know the answer. <laughs> when, when there is no good answer, he just like t- uh, smiles and pretends that yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Which is, it's just fascinating how he like lets himself admit that he doesn't have answers like that. Yeah. Where, where on the other hand, Taylor would always like lie to herself mm. that she knows things. Yeah, he kind of like acknowledges the boundaries of his existence, I think. Yeah. Like if someone asks Marquis something or, or challenges him, right? He pretends that he has an answer mm-hmm. while Taylor will make up yes, an answer. Yeah. The two different types of teachers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but hmm. also, also, I have this whole thought that I was thinking about mm-hmm. that I want to share, but I mean, you probably can't say anything, but okay. So to me, I, it, in, in the script, I just wrote, yeah, yeah in response to it, because I don't, uh, <laughs> it's probably terribly wrong, but it seems I, it, it all makes sense in my head about like mm-hmm. how fairies are like another name for the passengers, right? You know, and then mm-hmm. I don't know. Somehow, somehow, I feel like Seamurg, Seamurg, like mm-hmm. the Seamurg, knows like the perhaps the Endbringers are like closer to the flapping beings, or like they know to be paired. Like they know they have a plan for like what's coming. They like they have specific things, which gives them motivation. When before I was very confused about what Leviathan is doing, but maybe he had also like the but also maybe you know there's there's intentionality behind everything that all three of them are doing and. You know, hmm, I don't know. All of these things. Yes. All of these things. I don't have anything else beyond that. It's, that's just, it's it's still like cultivating in my mm-hmm. head. Yeah. Yes. So uh, back to mm-hmm. Taylor. So we, we cut back where Taylor immediately gets shot, which is frankly a shock to me. Just the fact that she actually got shot. Yeah. Uh, that said, she does have, you know, um, her her uh, armor actually is bulletproof, which is interesting. Uh, really what a way! Cool. What a way to find it, out. Um, you know, what a way to huh? find out. Yeah, what a way to find <laughs> out. Getting shot. So, she, so to summarize what happens, she gets shot. The place is on set on mm-hmm. fire. She's choking on smoke. She gets shot again. This time in the shoulder. Uh, she falls from a two story window. She gets flashbanged. Shot at with hundreds of bullets. Dodges grenades and who knows what else in the other timelines. All while Coyle uh, is using his power uh, to try things out. Uh, so in this, this is the 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 smallest timeline where Coyle actually thought he had the best chance. Yeah. Uh, and she does all this while blind and with a, a spike of of metal in yeah, her arm. Yeah. Um, and somehow she still it's gets so away. It's confusing. It's harrowing. And I feel like it's, there's like two mm-hmm. different things. First, that's like, that's such intense planning, like on the part of Coyle, like th- to anticipate yeah. all of those and like have to like counter her counters to his, ca- there's just, there's just so much to like think about because both of them are like planning people in the way that they like attack you know um Mm -hmm. and then that sort of like i feel like the fact that she still escapes sort of like solidifies her attitude that she she was talking about before with like regent where she's like there's always a way you know like where she's like has this strange optimism even in the face of like the end of the world and all of this you know that humans will always survive Yeah. yeah but then also secondary secondary point that i didn't write down but totally i wanted to was that when she recounts this later to to brian and and imp i think imp's like you still got out of all of that and then taylor just kind of like tosses her hair back and is like oh yeah of course and then keeps going it <laughs> just it just seems so like she's so dismissive of it 
but it seemed like a huge thing yeah. for her to escape. Yeah. 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 It's it's ex- extremely intense. It, I, I think I remember, and each time I read it, I, I still get, like, I still don't know how she gets out it's of it. So, I, I, um, it boggles my mind. Yeah. I, I really thought it was going to be something miraculous, like a second trigger or, you know, someone coming out of nowhere to yeah. save her. And she even, like, she uh, thinks about that. Because I really that. didn't She's think like, she would be able to be get out of this herself. Huh. Yeah. Which, which kind of addresses it and kind of tells us, yeah, no, that's yeah. not going to happen. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so she gets to mm-hmm. her team and uh, is then uh, framed to, to, as, as turning on them. And uh, they're going to kill her for re- re- they're going to kill her for yeah. revenge, but uh, and and Imp is you know kicking her ass, and uh, there's the whole thing with the swarm box among mm-hmm. other things, and um, but Brian listens and finds th- the truth, and she's exonerated. Yes, this was a very harrowing moment, I think, also because it's like she finally escaped, and you know it was going to work out, but then suddenly like she was going to be is she even going to be able to yeah, to tell yeah. them? Is she going to be able to talk? And then after, like, it's, you know, kind of revealed that, that she has been framed, it, it's, it happens a lot quicker that, you know, everybody, I mean, besides Imp, but, like, particularly Betch, I think, is the most notable, um, gets more mad at being tricked than she does, like, mm-hmm. she kind of, once she's assured that, oh, yes, this is Taylor and Taylor didn't betray us, she's kind of like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But now she's, like, mad at, like, being yeah. tricked and this kind of, like, lack of honesty. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting we only see three undersiders reactions mm-hmm. here. Regent is somewhere else. And of course, Tattletail wouldn't be here. Otherwise the, the swapping yeah, wouldn't yeah. have worked the, at all. Uh, but Imp is just pissed off and ready to take revenge. She's, she kind of feels like she's yeah. vindicated. Uh, Rachel is just extremely angry and, and horribly betrayed again, but is quick to move that anger to the appropriate mm-hmm. target. Once, once another one is presented, but Brian just seems like, he goes, why? Like, he's he's almost broken, mm-hmm. is what it feels like. Um, but yeah, he, he listens. Oh, and Brian. It, man, it's so it's so intense there. I, really, I was really worried that they're not going yeah, to listen to her. I was so worried about that because they, they didn't have time to speak about it last, like, the last time this, this sort of situation came up mm-hmm. because she, like, left and they didn't, there wasn't room for discussion, you know? But... I'm glad that there was this time. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. So they construct a plan to confront Coil, and the ruse immediately fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he teleports in a bunch of soldiers, and this is another time where we really feel that they're all going to die. Uh, they're all at, at gunpoint. It's this really intense conversation, but uh, Taylor, um, with some some very far forethought with Tattletail, um, they execute the string bean plan, and it prevails. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tattletail reveals how she outsmarted the big guy and uh, where Coil monologued kind of in the first place. Yes, yes. Um, They're Tattletail both monologuing. does in reverse. Yeah, yes. And then um, it, he's uh, everything's taken away from him. The, the travelers are uh, disabled and Skitter is the one to execute Coil. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of like what I was saying before of like everything that she's been doing now like all of this like increased violence and like how much authority she's been taking all of this i think has been setting her up for this situation for her to like act in the moment and like take that you know next step of of killing coil um mm-hmm. yeah but also i'm very glad that they both like kind of monologued because i like the explanations of how things yes. happen you know yes 
it feels like neat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think it would not. It the monologues on both sides are are really fun. So I'm I'm glad there was an excuse for them to happen. Also, Tattletale would totally monologue. Oh, That's her absolutely. thing. Absolutely. She's she's a she monologuing villain. Monologue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also want to point out how just how super super close they got to death mm-hmm. here. If Coil had lied and didn't use this power at the meeting, which he didn't even have to, right? You know, in the other timeline, he just doesn't have the meeting, and maybe he just has it later, yeah, right? Yeah. So he could have just. It's almost like a like a time saving maneuver, mm-hmm. right? Where he just decides to use it here rather than dissolve, rather than going through with it. And if it's wrong, dissolving the entire timeline and having the whole meeting again. He decides to have yeah. it here. So if he had lied, it would have been revealed to him, and they wouldn't have won. Yeah, that's they, and they would have no way of knowing that it's already yeah, failed. Yeah. So yeah, very very close here. Mm. And so now we have um, arc seventeen migration. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no interlude before or after this uh, because it's it's an interlude arc. Um, so in this one is in which the travelers mm-hmm. travel and make some very 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 bad choices. Oh, these teens. So uh, we open up. These teens. Hmm? These teens. Yeah. yeah. So we open on Kraus uh, leaving his home. He's going to his friend's place to get ready for a competitive video game match to get a sponsorship. There's some drama drama in the group. He's dating Noel, the team captain. And uh, they have to vote whether they're going to kick off uh, Cody, a longtime member who already hates Kraus, mm-hmm. uh, to make room for Kraus, who is a, a better long-term player. And yeah, so there's there's a, a, a ton of drama here. I, 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 the first thing I think um, is when did you realize that these were the travelers? I think I realized um, almost immediately um, after mm-hmm. whenever whenever Kraus starts thinking about Noel. I think I I kind of recognized immediately and sort of like started filling in the blanks that this must be the travelers. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't quite figure out who was who until a little bit later. Yeah. Um, once like some people died and others, you know, their true nature was sort of you know made made plain. Um, but yeah, I think pretty early on. When did you? What did you think of of Cody before? Like not. What what was not what was your opinion of him? But what did you think of his either? What did you think of the larger number of travelers in the majority of this arc versus the amount of travelers that there is in the uh, present day? I, like, what did you think happened, or did that just not cross your mind? Which is I also think valid, I think it certainly I thought didn't cross mind when I read it. They were going to somebody was going to die, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know how or when, um, or they were going to abandon somebody, and then they may show up later. But then, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, kind, so of I kind of both happened. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I kind of like left. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to happen, but I figured there was going to be something terrible that that would sort of, you know, uh, set it up. I guess I assumed there would be something mm-hmm. terrible that like would explain why they they were so alone with each other. I guess and like yeah. why they kind of had this like lingering resentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like this obligation. Uh, so when so we we first meet Kraus and he's um, well, what did you think of his personality when we first meet him? Um, Kraus seems like kind of a dick, um, or like yeah. like he's full of himself and like very assured in what he can do and what he can make others do. Um, and so mm-hmm. he seems very arrogant in that sense. But then also he's like kind of willing to like respect whatever Noel wants to do or like what she needs to do or I don't know. He like. He has these moments of humanity, 
and like, you know, empathy and stuff. But I don't know. I mean, that kind of like gets, gets tossed out of the window a little bit, um, when they're in the Endbringer situation, because he kind of like does whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, a lot going on with, with Cross. Yes. Uh, it, I, I didn't write this down, but I think his connection to Noelle is just so, like he, so he really does like want to care mm. for her, right? Like there's there's multiple times where you know he wants to like hold her, and when she's injured, he really does you know care about her, want to like you know make her feel better and stuff. But you also don't like like I mean when we first he starts talking about like all the girls in the group, and he's like really like lecherous, yeah, right? He's like talking about just like I don't know. Yeah, Marissa's Marissa's the hottest, but she's totally out of everyone's league so no one's asked her out and Jess is pretty cool but I can't date a cripple yeah like and, he, I don't he just he seems kind of like a shithead yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah I, I don't know and that. then like I feel like he's so congratulatory so, to himself because he's like respecting yeah. well blah 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 all of this and he's like oh I'm better than Cody because of this but then like it also seems the way that I don't know if it's just Cody because like that's his perspective but it seems like Kraus kind of like ingratiated himself into the situation because mm-hmm. she didn't seem like the way that it was laid out it seemed like she wasn't really open to like anybody and then he kind of like pushed his yeah. way in and then was like I okay mean, like i'll sit I, here like in this kind of in-between state yeah i i really do think that well so i think i think Krauss's thing is that he thinks that if he can get someone to do something that means that they really do want to do it and that's yes, not at all yes. true Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he does this thing repeatedly where he'll go. I, I think being in his perspective is is really interesting because he he does the thing where he'll go. It's totally okay for you to say no, hurt my feelings. I'm nothing, and like pretending to fall on his sword, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Which like is that that sentiment is actually you know a really important thing to convey. However, he doesn't. We don't know how he's saying it. I think how you say a statement like that is incredibly important because you can say it in a way that it's very obviously you're trying to guilt trip them or you could say it in Krauss's way, which I think he edges that line of like he's definitely trying to invoke guilt. Yes. Uh, while maintaining that he's actually being a good guy because every single time he does it, it works. It works with Noel. It works with Marissa uh, when, when talking about uh, her... Uh, dreams so mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, and i feel like the only one who really like points it out is cody you know and then everyone yeah. else is like oh and like, cody oh it's cody saying this so yeah. we shouldn't listen but yeah. except cody also has his own yeah problems, i, I mean he's, he's kind also of, he's, kind of yeah he's an asshole. definitely yeah. also an asshole but which i feel like that that's why people don't i don't know they just huh, their whole dynamic it's just it's already volatile like before the attack you know like mm-hmm. when when they were just playing video games, which I totally didn't know they were gaming group until like too late. Too late did I realize that. Right. Um Right. You think that they already yeah, have I thought powers they were like there, until... you know, debating about all oh, these sponsors, you know, because the um we had discussed previously like some like corporate groups and all of this, you know, so I was thinking, oh maybe they're like corporate, all of this. But no, they're like talking about teen things, you know? But then they're all yeah. like they're they're already full of drama and like and all of that has, like, just boiled over. And, like, so it's all this, like, messy and there's, like, unrequited love that's turned sour and, like, other people are mad. And I just, there's so much. There's so much that's already a problem. And then that that gets, like, placed into a situation that will exacerbate it 
100% will exacerbate it to the point like that will like stretch all of these things until they break, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I legitimately can't remember. So this is like a real question mm. I'm asking. I don't know if the Seamurg can see into other worlds. Mm. And so I'm wondering like if she specifically like pulled the building that they were in into this reality in order to get them specifically because she already knew how messed up yeah. they were or if she was like she brought over the building almost by accident and it was like oh these people are really messed up i'll use them yeah or does she know is it one of those things where it's like she knows she needs to do something but she doesn't know why so she pulls the apartment the building like without knowing until they arrive like is it one of those sorts of things yeah that could be it I don't know. It could be. Uh, so on on how bad the team is, they're they're set to self destruct at some point anyway. Like even even with Cody removed, right? Yeah, like, Just the fact that it's like Kraus is already like at or Jess is almost at Kraus's throat already, mm-hmm. right? And Noel is clearly in a horrible place, and Kraus is probably making things worse. Yeah, um, he's like pressuring her without or at like. Least like while also pretending not to, you know. Yeah, it, pretending to himself yeah, pretend, too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have like Oliver yeah. who doesn't. I mean, he's kind of like oh, yeah. the weaker link, I think, of the members. Which I feel like, mm-hmm. and they are like they're not very nice about it. I don't know. That just everybody is kind of like it's just it's just all so messy that like yeah. I don't know. It's it's not a it's not a great group to like get stuck with for two years in a place that you don't know anyone else. Yeah. It would, with, with superpowers, superpowers after you've been seen visions f- from a supernatural yeah, being yeah. to exacerbate your worst qualities. Oh. So uh, let's get into that, actually. So just as the game is about mm. to start, um, the earthquake, or an earthquake, or what they think is an earthquake happens, and the building falls. Uh, their friend Chris dies. Um, Noel is injured, and they have to escape the building. All the while, the Seamurg and Scion duke it out in the skies. Yeah. And it's also, in this moment, it's like, it takes such a huge turn because, like, these are just teens, right? Like, they they don't have training, like, like they don't have you know training for medical emergencies. They don't have this, they don't have you know the kind of practice for inbringer scenarios, right? Because they aren't from that world, so it's like they're thrust into this situation where they they don't have the survival mode, you know, tactics, and they don't have the ability to assess the situation. They're just kind of like stuck blindly walking into whatever it is. Um, yeah. With just like the little bit of information that that Jess has, right? Yeah. It, it also strikes me how like visceral and and th- this this changes. Mm-hmm. So we go from you know the, the the drama of that room, right? Where like even someone punching someone else was kind of like over the line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with with Cody threatening to, but someone's Chris gets his 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 head bisected by a bookcase, yeah. Yeah. right? Uh, Noel has more like, less less visible injuries, but they go outside and like it's freezing cold. Uh, they where they're afraid of like getting frostbite mm-hmm. by how they're going to climb down. Uh, yeah, L- Luke gets his his leg sliced open by a window, which like really I, I don't know why, but that's what got me to get sympathetic pain. <sighs> and uh, then they get to that hero whose intestines are pushed out by a mess of tangled rebar. Yes. Yeah, that's such and a his that's such a blown visual up. image. That's ugh. Yeah, yeah. So this this 
change from from the normal world or a world that's like mm. ours into this bloody world is just so sudden and yeah, yeah it's viscerally really, really violent jarring. um yeah yeah so uh as they're uh escaping there is a scream in the air as they're going there's a scream in their heads mm-hmm. and the heroes fighting her are employing some brutal tactics blowing themselves up rather than succumbing to yes, the scream the scream i am so fascinated by it just like the way that it is been described where it seems very sirenesque where like everybody's frightened to hear it you know and then like it's very like atonal and then like keeps changing all these like and it gets more yeah, complicated yeah. over time ah, it seems like it would be a really fascinating symphony to like compose you know i mean also it's like yeah terrible and all of this creating like all this it this almost almost like a harbinger yeah. i suppose of disaster mm-hmm. yeah. it's also like uh the the idea of um, not uh, of having specifically to not pay attention mm-hmm. to something, and the more you pay attention to it, the more you like feel the need to pay attention to it. Is it? it it's tinnitus. That's that's what tinnitus does. I I don't know if you tinnitus. have ever experienced it, but um, like tinnitus is a, is the same kind of notion. It's it's a like sound you in your ringing? head that's not real. Yeah, where you hear yeah a ringing or or something else. Um, I know Wildbo has uh talked about how. He has he has very 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 bad uh, tinnitus, right? He's he's partially mm-hmm. deaf, and that's one of the more awful symptoms of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it really resonated with me. Uh, just that's a real experience, and it just gets turned even more yeah, horrifying yeah. because it's a singing and it's complicated and jars your thoughts. Yeah. Mm. Noise, um, just like continuous noise, anyway. is just like a lot. I don't know. Just yeah. it's it's. It's very, like, heavy, and it takes up a lot of space, you know, in one's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, um, I wrote some stuff down after hearing a friend of mine who's blind talk about, um, I don't know, she, uh, I, I forget exactly what she said that triggered it, but the, the fact that sight is something that you can turn off, you can close mm-hmm. your eyes, yeah, but you, you cannot turn off yeah. your hearing. Uh, with exceptional circumstances or external tools so it's like sight you are picking where you're looking you are it's it's an active thing a sense that you Mm -hmm. control and hearing is totally passive and you're just subject to just the world yeah uh so so one other thing here i didn't i didn't write it down um i I forgot to but the seamerg visions um and Mm. the 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 flashbacks were really interesting and i wanted to know what you thought of them. those are very interesting i um oh well it seemed very interesting particularly the way that oops the way that um they were setting up people to dwell on particular things and like it seemed mm-hmm. like the particular mindsets that kind of like that kind of set the the rest of their like particularly this this group or like their dynamic moving forward like each each memory kind of you know, makes them act in particular ways so that, like, it's it's very it's very curated. I think all mm-hmm. these like these almost like this emotional kind of you know course correcting of like you know fo- like focusing Cody on on his his you know attitude towards uh, Kraus and like Kraus focusing on Noel and like all of this like the way that it it's all gets sort of set up. I feel like. It's like this prepping of of what's going to happen, you know, even by dwelling yeah. on the past. It like 
sets up the way that people think about themselves and each other, you know, mm-hmm. in the aftermath of, of like gaining powers. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 So the, the travelers make it to the edge of the quarantine zone. There are terrifying powered monsters uh, running around and soldiers preventing their exit inside the house. They see or cross finds mm-hmm. a bird repeatedly smashing its head against a wall. And there's actually a lot of bird imagery in this arc. So, but we'll return to that and uh, cross cuts its head off. Um, so uh, we, we kind of come to understand that the Seamurg makes guided missiles. Yes. yes. Before we get to bird imagery, I want to address the missiles. Because I feel like... I mean, Krauss seems like he thinks that he's like the guided missile. But I don't think that he is. I think he's he just has like... He has made himself into something. Into someone influential to the rest, mm. you know? But like, it's not really like him as a person. His personage that's the missile. It's his action of of kind of forcing everyone else to act like everyone else to like take the powers mm-hmm. and his his like misstep of like only giving half to noel i think that that's what the guided missile is so like you know what i mean yeah i i find it interesting the notion though i mean they stick to it that the seamer only makes it a couple mm-hmm. right and i don't think there's anything in the stories that they tell in their conversation that indicate that she only specifically picks out a like one she definitely doesn't pick out one. She, yeah. Uh, like each of those events they talk about, like had a lot mm-hmm. more than one. So, yeah, I, I don't know why they're like, well, maybe we're not the guided missile. It's like, I think the implication is that yeah, everyone it seemed is. Yeah, like she kind of like sets everybody in action. Yeah. yeah. But she also like is, is sort of bird-like as well, right? And the way she's mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. So she's this angelic figure with, with endless mm-hmm. wings. And so there's a, there's a. A couple of beats of bird imagery, less than I I thought upon, re, uh, less than I expected when I was relooking for it. But there's the seamurg, there's this bird smashing itself. Um, I think there's a couple of times where people are described as as bird like, but I don't know how relevant mm-hmm. that is. I mean, um, Noel is described, I think, like a sparrow. I, I think is the oh, term. Okay. But of course, at the very end of this, uh, where um, they wake up on on the beach, that's when they. Um, he goes over to see the the, the stain, right? And yeah, birds are yeah, pecking at like... it. I'm pretty sure it specifically calls out how he there's a a white mm-hmm. feather there, which specifically calls it back to me. Um, yeah. Also, just just pointing out the the uh, different direction. Um, the the house that they go to is such a such a mess. It's like almost very clearly to me that they definitely like there's a reason they went to this particular mm-hmm. house because it's it's a it's a chaotic mess it's clearly that the owners were not you know super clean and then you have the bird and all these like newspaper clippings and, yeah, and stuff yeah it kind of um, like sets them up for them to know also the bird oh i keep messing up with the desk but the the bird um in the cage that's like banging its head and and kraus being the one to like like kill it to like put it out of mm-hmm. its misery but it's also like he kind of like he he engages in violence i think so like so very readily and like very quickly that he kind of Mm -hmm. i feel like that it it kind of colors the rest of his attitude um this like immediate action of like i'm going to put this bird out of its misery by killing it you know yeah yeah he's the first one to grab the weapons to stab a monster Mm -hmm. to take a power and it's interesting you know he, he starts taking weapons and then cody's like what the hell are you doing and later on, um, he's the one, or 
Cross is the one that's really worried about Cody, you know, doing violence. He's like, yo, doing violence against another person. No, no, that that would never happen. I'm just, yeah, yeah. you know, arming myself and, and then doing violence against a monster. But I would never, you know, do it to another human. And then, you know, he wants to. But Also, how like they haven't they haven't seen monsters before, have they? This is just kind of like all totally new to them. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think they've. I don't know. It just. Yeah. I mean, it seems I'm sure so, they've like quickly. No, then they like mm-hmm. accept, and he decides. I mean, they, they're also like kind of threatening him, but like so. Me- that they decide that they're inhuman yeah, yeah. and deserving of of death. I don't know. It's just it's such a quick assessment, and I guess you know it's like this. They're in survival yeah. mode, all of this, but like. Well, like, it, for example, the the. One of one of the three that they eventually fight, the one with like the scythe arms, mm. like he doesn't kill Kraus immediately. I mean, I I think they needed him alive to yeah, to do yeah. a thing um, that was gonna kill him, but like it's not just a murderous yeah, monster. Yeah, there's like at least a little bit of discussion. Uh, so uh, going forward, um, eventually we learn that the travelers are actually from Earth Aleph, the other mm-hmm. Earth. So they are aware of, of superheroes. It, but for the most part, it's it's basically like our world. Uh, they, I mean, they don't they don't have Scion, for yeah, example. Yeah. Uh, they don't have Endbringers. They have just a couple supers. So this is so the the transportation of them to Earthbed is this subversion of the portal fa- fantasy mm-hmm. genre or trope, I guess. You know, like Narnia, right? Where the magical world in this time is actually horrible and oh yes i wanted to, to ask there. about so, that of like the portal fantasy is is in this situation is narnia to be assumed that it was a good place to go because i feel like it depends yeah. on which narnia they went to wait what well, do you like, mean i mean some instances of narnia like when they return it's it's not a grand place or like when the oh, you yeah. know like the ice queen yeah or whatever but it's, was it's a place it. where like your it Narnia, in even if even in those times where it's like the the queen rules and stuff, it's still a place where like your action mat your actions matter, mm-hmm. and it's like a glorious world. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where in 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 this, it's not only that it's it's horrible, but also that your actions don't matter mm-hmm. as much usually. Um, like like the the this I mean this is that fantasy. This is that fantasy where you 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 like. If you're thinking about, hmm, I wish I was an Earthbed and then I got superpowers and I could do stuff, but it's like, no, you're not. You wouldn't just suddenly be better off yeah, than everyone else. Yeah, you're still kind of like in, stuck in, in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this comparison to um, they, they there's there's one moment later on in the arc um, where Kraus thinks, <clears throat> how had just put it, the world was sublime, a world that was awesome in the truer sense of the word, greater in many respects. In the metaphorical sense, the peaks were higher, the valleys lower, works of art more artful, extremes more extreme. It wasn't a good thing. Make the mountains twice as tall and the chasms twice as deep and things start crumbling. Mm, yes. A very interesting term to use, sublime. Um, because, I mean, I want to go into it later also, like, for a while, but just the, the concept of, like, the sublime is that sort of, like, that like crossover of like beauty and monstrosity where they like there is mm-hmm. like you know abject terror but then also like some sort of you know um not awe but like like a, a reverence i guess i don't know it's it's just mm-hmm. it's a very interesting place to be in uh, a description of this world seems apt i think 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as they go on their drama, Cross fights those monsters. They see some visions, and um, he picks up some cauldron super vials. Uh, they go to they debate using them. Decide on no uh, because that's going to increase their uh, basically increase their agency to uh, the best things up further. Uh, they go to get medical help, but they can't exit quarantine because they have no identity. So Kraus takes a power jaunt and gives half a vial to Noel. <sighs> I mean, he, I know that he's like being driven by like desperation and delirium and all of this. And he's like kind of that kind of like excuses it a little bit. But like at the same time, like they had this whole discussion about the vials and how they weren't going to take them. Mm-hmm. And then he also knows the situation that he's in this other earth right like they haven't not everybody's had that discussion at this point right it's just kraus and jess no i think or at, does this everyone point, know at this point i think at this point they do right i don't remember but i mean yeah no at this point they do because this the hospital doesn't exist in, in oh, their version yeah, of yeah that's true of, but see like yeah, this whole th- there's like this whole thing of they've they've all agreed upon something and he even though he's like taken like made himself the ruler like or not ruler, but like leader. He then just kind of like tosses it out the window and does whatever he wants. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's a he. I don't know. He he does that a lot in these moments, or like in the in this um mm-hmm. in this interlude, like the the whole arc. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So uh, then the rest of them get powers as well, and then they leave mm-hmm. quarantine. Um, but of course, uh things went yes. wrong noel grows an extra yes. eye as they're on leaving. her thigh yes ah ah yes. so cool it's so cool i mean also <laughs> like that'd be horrible but at the same time ah that's ah, so exciting you know <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> sorry i just i really like yeah. body horror in this like context oh you're gonna you're gonna love all of all stuff it's just so interesting so um yes. you know ah there was something else that I was going to say. Oh, yes. Also, like, I mean, we don't check in with Oliver quite as much because he, like, mm-hmm. I mean, but, like, how is he really? Like, <laughs> like, what is he up to? Like, does he, does he, I mean, did we discuss that? Like, how, how he's affected as much? Mm-mm. We, no, we did not. Or, like, I don't know, like. So he takes yeah. the other half of the But he doesn't potion. have any sort of, like, you know. He has a very, very, very mild ability. Basically, when he looks at people, um, he when he looks at attractive people, he becomes slightly more like that person, and he becomes more oh, attractive over time. Oh, basically. okay, okay, okay. Including that more whole, fit. That and whole stuff. like so he's just paragraph makes sense to me now. Yeah. Okay, I understand. I think basically his power is to look like an, an Adonis. Yeah. That's that's oh. it. I mean, Which, that's like, I mean, you know, nice, I guess could be worse. That said, he doesn't have a stable identity which makes things even worse for him actually uh, real quick let's 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 talk about how you know the irony of of all mm. the powers which not all of them are, are super ironic like or not not uh, that's not what i meant to say not all of them are unsuited to yeah. them for example trickster's power is exactly suited for him yeah that's true yeah his his kind of like fits nicely almost everyone else's though yeah nobody is else's they're all they're all like kind of cruelly unmatched. Yeah. Which I guess that's what you get for like taking a vial that like doesn't match with you, just kind of yeah. randomly guessing. Off of off yeah. of a name. Yeah. But yeah. 
Uh, one little thing. Um, I hate how Kraus pours the superpower juice into a paper cup and then back into the vial before Oliver drinks that. <sighs> like, was there some left on that paper cup? I'm, I'm so that's it's just so upsetting. That's true. To and me. like, does he throw it I away? Like, what do you do with that waste? You you wouldn't do that with medicine, yeah. you know? Does he put it in like, like one of those little containers that they put all the needles in? You know? Mm. Yeah, in the biohazard yeah, bio thing. Yeah. That's what it is. If 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 someone else licked up that, what would happen? Who would? Who would? Oh, I don't know. Um, and then like, how large is the vial? Like, did he have to like squeeze? I don't. Did I, like I'm imagining like a little sort of you know the size that you would put like a memory in something small. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. The size of a vial you put. A, <laughs> I don't. You put a memory I don't like the That's size exactly... of like a tic tac thing. I, who knows? Who knows? But like. I think I think it's. In my mind, it has to be big enough that you can pour it uh, a paper cup um, into yeah. it without needing a funnel. Yeah. So, hmm. so many mechanics that I have questions um, about. Yes. So uh, later on, they go to uh, we, we cut several years later. I think. Well, I think basically like a year yes. and a half later to uh, a meeting with Accord, who is a very meticulous supervillain, and. Uh, unfortunately, though, Sun Dancer interrupts and almost gets herself killed because this is the meticulous mm-hmm. supervillain. Uh, but it's a, an important warning because Cody, a.k.a. Perdition, quote, touched Noel three times, creating three murderous mutated clones, which the travelers have to put Are down. They, like, they're all him, right? Uh, they're all clones of him? Yes. <sighs> they all have his power and seemingly some aspect of his yeah. memories or personality or something. Oh, Terrible. Um, yeah. And, uh, Trickster then talks to, uh, Trickster gets a call from, from Coyle and Coyle offers them mm-hmm. hope and Trickster talks to Noel and decides to give Cody to Accord to dispose of. So readily just makes this decision all by himself, not consulting anybody, just kind of decides, you know? Ah, yeah. I don't know. He, but I feel like his, his authority is something that like, is not is not i mean it's not given right and he kind of Mm-mm. everyone else is just kind of dragged along into the mess that he created you know they like yeah. i mean i can understand understand why sundancer is feel so alone in this situation you know when perhaps she doesn't feel like she has autonomy in the group when he's the one making the decisions all mm-hmm. of this you know yeah I wonder what the intergroup relations are between the stable mm-hmm. members are because it seems like almost everyone like interacts with Kraus as like an intermediary between all yeah, of them yeah Where, like jess and luke and marissa the the like those stable like, members don't team up or anything I, I i think they all dislike each other as mm-hmm. well or something yeah yeah i feel like i had a thought also i feel like i th- before this interlude i th- i thought that noelle just like consumed people which is like why she was mm-hmm. like hidden away instead of like i don't know I mean, I suppose she could still now, but like, it seems like her. Yeah, we 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 see her, and uh, she's al- almost hard to to imagine. She takes up the majority of a master bedroom, mm-hmm. uh, with the lower half of her body, like you know, centaur-like is what it seems. Uh, but the, the lower half of her body is a mess of like cloven limbs, tentacles, and monstrous. Yeah, heads. and like, how does she move? One of which, or the around? main one, is yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe in the, like a eighteen wheeler, yeah. oh. uh, a U-Haul, maybe. So cool. 
it might be hard to fit her in there. It, the, the main, the like dog mm. head or wolf head, or I, I guess it's it's intentionally hard to define, is the size of a horse from front yeah, to back. It's just so so large. <sighs> yeah. Like, what is the skeleton? What does her skeleton look like? How did she get in the room? Did they have to cut through the door? Did they have to climb through a window? I mean, they, they have a teleportation oh, yeah, power, that's true. but I forgot about that. But still, I mean, he needs an appropriate amount yeah. of mass for they it. Just so, how did they get all that? It yeah, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, see, more mechanics. So many questions. Yes. Um, so uh, I want to talk about Cody mm. real quick. Yes. Um, Cody is basically uh, sentenced to death, but did he deserve it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, okay. The main thing here is that um, the the decision is is made by Kraus and Kraus alone. The only other other teammate that he consults with, and only because she talked to him intentionally, is Marissa, and she just kind of gives in. But he doesn't even tell the other members of of the group. There's no consensus. Mm-hmm. He's just like, nope. Well, someone's got to die, and it's going to be Cody. And even though you know they could fight back or something, they could try to teleport out or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, he kind of just, like, accepts that this is the reality and that he's not gonna, you know, kind of go against a court in any sort of way. And I mean, I mean, I know Cody, like, has done terrible things and doesn't really, like, fit into the group, I guess. And I mean, notably, like, you know, interacted with Noelle, knowing what she can do and what she does. But I don't know, it just just seems so, like, cold and fast for for Krauss to just be like, okay, well, he's gonna be the one to die. And I mean the 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 Seamerg was it, the visions she showed uh, Cody were intentionally to get him to hate mm-hmm. Kraus, and Kraus became the leader yeah. of the Travelers. So it's almost like I mean even this might have been preordained. Yeah, yeah. It, you know yeah. eventually Just like a very kick- long domino. Yeah, or like one of those Russ, yeah. uh, Ru- oh, one of those Rube Goldberg machines. You know. Yes, yes. That, I think that is exactly what the Seamerg mm-hmm. is. Uh, so. Uh, but on 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 Cody as well, it, like it's with his his mutated clones that we really see like that. Kraus was kind of totally right mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the the first mutant mutant says stuff like she was mine and you ruined yeah. her, and so it's like yeah, he Cody totally is. This, part of the reason he hates Kraus is just because he was possessive yeah, of yeah. Noel and saw it as a loss, but. Um, you know the real Cody wouldn't say it that, would just be like so that's in a difference. He's headed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yes, you have a. Uh, I like the parenthetical you wrote on the script. Oh yes, yes. Oh, my classification of Cody. Well, especially because like this is one of those like you know normal group of teens thrust into a situation that is survival and they have to deal with it and they like get powers or something like that, you know. And it seems like Cody is the mm-hmm. one. He's like the one guy in a zombie flick. That pretends he's still human, you know, or like, yeah, if they're stuck yeah. in like, you know, on a boat or something, he's the one that like brings a knife to the fight or like, you know, has a gun. Like, you know, he's the one that like right. exacerbates the situation or like escalates it so that everybody else has to like deal with mm-hmm. whatever he's made it into, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And then like Krauss is the one that like steps up and yeah. is like, oh, well, I had to kill him, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I don't know if that's like an actual genre of, of things. No, I, no, don't. <laughs> it has I become a classification in my yeah. head. <laughs> Yes. So uh, that that scene ends basically with them, you know, thinking of hope mm-hmm. for the future. And then we cut to Trickster waking up on the beach uh, where Coyle was. 
Coyle's body's already been removed. There's only a stain. Uh, birds pecking at the yeah. remains. It's very, it's very bleak. This situation, where like he's the one that you know, Krauss is the one that made the gamble to trust this villain, and then like it's been a while and it hasn't worked out, and like Noel is like off, you know, doing whatever, wreaking havoc, maybe, you know, and then like Trickster is kind of faced also with like, I mean, Ballistic was like ready to leave and stay with the Undersiders, wasn't he? In their like uh, something like that, yeah. And so he's kind of like. He's got, like, a mess to deal with, you know, before he can go anywhere. Yeah. Also, does he know that Noel? He doesn't yeah. know that Noel's out. Uh, no, but that is another thing that makes things yeah. even worse. Noel is pissed off and clawed herself out of mm-hmm. her own thing, so. Yeah. <sighs> and that is the end of the key moment by key moment yes. discussion. All right, so let's talk about book two as a whole. Uh, so mm. this um is our... Is the shortest book with 222,000 words, and we wrote 9,000 words of script, and we're at three hours. Yep. So, cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> we didn't mean to do that, but here we are. Um, so, I, just just talking about the, like, structuring of, you know, this chunk. Um, so, this book and the next mm-hmm. next suffer a little bit because of how we're, we're chunking them. I think they're not, like, perfect... E- Worm wasn't meant to be put into books. It's it's yeah. It's I an mean, arcs. I, that, yeah. I think that's just kind of like the effect of of being a serial. Yeah, is that there isn't that like anticipated sort of you know divisions created. Yeah, those are like kind of you know retroactively placed on. But um, as as a tangent, I think it's very interesting just how that affects things because like it really allows for the normal like five act kind of structure uh, or three act structure just really change a lot more it you know mm-hmm. a, a book has only so much time and so the structure becomes more apparent and there's less room to play with it but in a 30 arc 1 million word long story there's a lot more difference and nuance that can go on yeah so. yeah you're not kind of like forced into creating these like wrapping things up when you don't want to that sort of thing like and there's mm-hmm. moments like like with the the you know um migration arc mm-hmm. like that can be the sort of like steps in different directions or like kind of there's room to like add a variety of different things that that don't necessarily have to like fit into like this singular one motion i think yeah yeah one directional rising action yeah 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 we go sideways a little Which bit it, it really it really like, like opens up Mm-hmm. A lot of possibility, I think, especially yeah. in terms of like character building and and um, like world building. Yeah, just just how much we get to know characters is really. I mean, people really mm-hmm. really love T- Taylor, and of course, all the undersiders, and that's because we spend so so much time with them. Yeah, I mean, even the even the like one off characters get uh, even any character that has an interlude basically gets as much uh, characterization. As most characters, most like side main characters do in novels, just yeah, just yeah. by sheer we, word there's count. There's so much. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know what it is about. Like why there's just just the way that like the character development is laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the because of the complexity, I think of each each individual. Like there is that like kind of natural. Um, not even just like getting to know, but like like, you know, wanting to know about these characters and kind of wanting to see them to their ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I, I don't know. There's there's just like this almost immediate, you know, um, 
I don't know. It's it's easy to like get to know them. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. get attached. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, just just to to point a, a case in point, the migration arc is seventy thousand words. That's a novel. Mm-hmm. That's that's literally like the normal YA uh, young adult like novel length is like eighty thousand words. So that yeah, we 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 have a novel with with the travelers. I think that just mm-hmm. is really interesting to think about. Um, yeah, it, thinking about Webster's oh, is, is so different than the normal books. I, I feel like I just like my concept of how long a book is mm-hmm. is totally warped because I don't I don't classify books like by word count. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I think about how they sit in my hand and how long right. I'm going to sit on the couch or like you know outside. And that, how does it feel to read it? I, you know, dense yeah, stuff is like, always longer no matter what. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it just. It's very interesting because mm-hmm. we don't have like that weight. I mean, this this, this is a whole another side discussion about yes. like digital versus you know tangible physical books. But I feel like even if even if we don't have that weight, like you just kind of like the motions mm-hmm. of of kind of like going through each particular chapter through each particular arc. Like I don't know, you start feeling that weight even if it's not even if it's just like a phantom. Yeah. Yeah, what what I always find interesting uh, thinking about Wildbow's works, and it's something that I, I've especially noticed with with Pale. Now we're really digressing. We'll we'll try to wrap this up, but um, is <laughs> how how normal the pace of the web serial feels to me. I mean, I'm also coming off after mm-hmm. having read all of them, right? But like it, like in in migration, right? We digress from the main story for an entire novel, and yet it doesn't feel like i just had to go read a different book right no it's no, still it definitely it feels it like feels a casual still... digression mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me so yeah that is that's is so interesting i think it's because we've we've built in that rhythm of the interludes mm-hmm. like you've already you've already kind of become accustomed to kind of stepping out of the story to get a different to get a different glimpse and particularly in the two arcs previous to migration a lot of those have been also kind of stepping back in time or stepping out to kind of world build or like give, you know, kind of this like, um, like, uh, moment by moment almost into, into like, um, you know, characterization. So like, I feel like we kind of get set up to, to anticipate and, and to accept kind of stepping out and stepping back in Yeah, with like a, a normalcy to it. Yeah. The, the, the idea of rhythm is, is very interesting to me yeah mm. um but okay i think that should that should end our our digression here um so what did we think about yes. this book in particular right there's obviously two different sections there is the coil stuff and then there is a traveler's arc um but mm. uh, that said i do think that the traveler's arc does work well be- as a as a ending to this just because it brings yeah, us back so. to the coil like the the scene that we leave the scene that we leave skater story and go into the travelers um is where we end with the travelers yeah yeah it's kind of like inserting like a bubble you know mm-hmm. in the chronological timeline just kind of beneath the surface mm-hmm. like a like an aqueduct or something yeah um yeah so i think it fits very nicely um taylor is uh definitely getting more violent i think that's that's a a, a trend that we're seeing here yes and yes it, just the world is also getting well. That's it. No, I, I was about to say the world is getting more violent, but last 
last book was the slaughterhouse nine so that's probably not true yeah but it, it's it's becoming like more widespread like with mm-hmm. the slaughterhouse nine it was it was this sort of like back and forth and you know it was an understood that they were like the worst of the worst right you know but then now it's like our main character is is you know engaging in in violence and and everybody's sort of kind of like jumping in mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like while while we we already knew that it could be dark. <clears throat> like, it has become darker because of the amount of people, you know, kind of, I don't know, like... Yeah, it feels like violence and, like, um, bloody violence. I, like, not, not the superhero, you know, punch people and they mm-hmm. get knocked unconscious, obviously. Not that Worm ever was that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, bl- bloody violence is, like, becoming more and more common in the story as a whole, and we see that with Krauss yeah. and, you know, just deciding to off Cody at the end of it. And like lasting, like visible, mm-hmm. you know, um, not carnage, but like, like you can see the effects longer, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not like the cartoon violence that like, you know, you forget after a couple of scenes, mm-hmm. it's like they're carrying all of this violence from the past. And then, you know, the continued, like there's, there's like physical ramifications, I think this uh, this section focuses a lot on how consequences are actually uh, starting to, to to come to bear. Right? We we mm-hmm. have all these injuries that that go on for a long time, but we also have the you know after these Rockton Day has just faced a series of of terrible crises, and now we're kind of seeing yeah. the, the the real long term ripples uh, yeah. in in their aftermath and taylor finally getting well not many but some consequences as well yeah we'll see i don't know Mm -hmm. about all of hers yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot that she has to um think about contend with yeah yeah um uh anything else we want to mention here um i think we're good on the book as a whole we did talk a lot about the book already Uh, so so yeah. yes, uh, there is of Onto course the always more we can talk about. Yes, it's Clarence speculations. Um, so yes. uh, there's a couple of things I specifically wanted you to ask. Uh, no, I mm. specifically there's a couple of things I specifically wanted to ask you. So uh, for example, what's up with Noel? I don't know, but I'm very excited to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really I'm I'm thinking perhaps maybe she's a baby inbringer, which would be like horrible and like not great in terms of like. <clears throat> the whole like end of the world is coming soon but also be so fucking cool like that that would be so exciting you know because we can like trace the beginnings of it and maybe we'll like know what her motivations are so we can figure out what the other people's motivations are Mm -hmm. i don't know there's this whole large question mark yes you know because i feel like i mean i don't remember if i i feel like i mentioned it before where she seems to be this sort of like the guided missile i put bullet destiny Mm -hmm. because i forgot what it was called but Bullet Destiny um, is a wonderful name. Actually, that's a great video <laughs> game name, a great band name, Bullet Destiny. Bullet that, Destiny. A great song really name. Good. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. Right. Uh, if anyone put a, put a creates something under the name Bullet Destiny, it's it's copyright Clarence Brooks. Uh Yes. Yeah. Uh, Just yeah. write me a little handwritten note about it. Mhm. Uh I also Yeah, so go ahead. Oh, well, I also, I don't know, like, she, she poses the immediate next threat. Right. I assume, right? Because she's she's gotten out, and we have to, like, kind of deal with whatever's going to happen mm-hmm. with her. 
Um, so I assume that we're going to find out kind of where she's headed in the next few arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think she does? I don't want to ask what her power is because it's more like her does. body, I guess. Yeah, it does seem like her body like produces these murderous twins, right? So it's like perhaps she's been set up to create the like the opposition for every it's almost it's almost like the nemesis project with cauldron mm-hmm. where they like they set up you know the like these like uh foil care not even foil but like you know like they set up these like back and forth good and mm-hmm. evil but it seems like she creates the monsters that will be able to defeat anybody but then it's like why what do we need that for you know mm-hmm. don't we need the all the parahumans and they're like passengers i thought we were like creating them for whatever reason i don't know but then also you know does she still just like consume regular meat or does she like consume humans because that was definitely in my head before we knew anything about her Mm -hmm. that she just like ate people yeah something happened to 40 people at some point which is yeah so it seems like really scary some pretty big questions yeah about just just the fact that she continually eats meat but doesn't ever you know deposit waste is yes very so she's just like continuously growing i guess so but but like the the thing about that is just that the rate seems to increase so much like well then again i don't know how often she's being fed right but Mm. during uh when they're in boston with with accord uh she eats like sundancer goes out and gets what a whole pig or two Right? Yeah, like a couple of pigs. Like that's that's a lot of yeah food to consume. And but that's a lot of extra mass to gain. That's the scary part to me. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. Yeah, poor Noel. She did. Yeah, deserve I know. This. She like really didn't ask for this at all. Yeah, poor damaged I mean, that's girl. That's like a whole nother thing of like she just wanted to like be on her own, do her thing. Yeah, and then like Krauss comes along and is like oh. I mean, I'll respect you, but let me fuck everything up. <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. But I expect we'll have more to talk about later. Uh, so my next yes. question for you is, uh, do you have any big world-building guesses? So mm-hmm. powers, what's Cauldron doing, trigger visions, other stuff? Yes. Well, before I get into the more like serious inbringer things that I have been thinking about, mm-hmm. I would like to mention that the trigger vision that we saw for Carol... Mm-hmm. brandish was like all these little eggs in a line that like and i think is that am i remembering that correctly um, there were all these like there was all these like eggs in a singular line or something i there was just like a lot of them all the trigger visions are one long vision in my head so i cannot remember because i feel like i feel like it was distinct from the like two flapping beings because like mm-hmm. she didn't notice flapping beings. she noticed like this whole line of eggs and it immediately made me think of like mork um, which is uh it's a it's a sitcom um about this alien who like comes to earth in an egg you know mm-hmm. it's like the it's like a he was on happy days first and then now he he had his own show with like it's it's robin williams his character mm-hmm. from like the 70s yeah it was a lot tangled i mean it's, it's it's more of like a comedy and it doesn't really fit in but i just that immediately made me think like i don't know it just <laughs> what are the eggs you know like who are they who are the eggs from them? Are there only those two flapping beings? Like, are there more of them? Are they, like, creating the eggs? I don't know. There's so many questions. It says here, uh, I, I just pulled it open. Um, 
So it's an egg. Uh, she realized just in time to see it hatch. It unfolds from a condensed point to grow larger with every moment and movement. Others mm. were hatching from the same egg, spreading out like sparks from the shell of a firework, uh, unfolding into something vast and incomprehensible within seconds of birth. And then they form pairs or trios in some cases. And uh, yeah, see, there was like more of them, more of them than usual. Yeah, it says that then they settle around the egg and then it vibrates, but it's not actually vibrating. It's multiple copies of the egg uh, deviating until double images appear. And then they all crumble to a single point. Mm -hmm. And then the egg explodes and the creatures come alive, soaring out into the vastness of the void. So that's what happens there. So fascinating. Mm -hmm. I feel like the eggs are crucial, but then you didn't remember them. So maybe they're not. Mm hmm. I don't know. Where where is the egg? That's that's um That's true. Where does this keep happening? Like do they transport it there or do they just like mm-hmm. does their mind It's also or, somewhere like, in space this? is what it, it seems like. What if it's is it like somebody else's memory, is it the passenger's memory as they kind of like fold themselves into the brain? I don't know. So many questions. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yes. Excellent questions to be asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the thing about the other inbringers, I wasn't really mm-hmm. quite sure about how they were made, you know? Because, I mean, if they're like Noelle, if Noelle does end up being an inbringer, I mean, she doesn't know things, does she? Like, she doesn't seem to know things. I mean, we haven't really spoken to her, I guess. Like, like um, like the mysterious things that the inbringers do? Yeah, because the other inbringers seem to, like, know things, you know, where, like, the the Seamurk has, mm-hmm. like, has more intention than, like, leviathan did but like i don't know it seems like you know they seem informed about whatever's coming so perhaps noelle's also informed if she's like an inbringer but then she's kind of like late to be one you know so maybe she's just like something else i don't know and then how the other ones made like are they you know made by accident like some of the other ones or like some of the other parahumans or do they also receive like a specific amount you know but then why would cauldron make inbringers you know, like, what is Cauldron's whole deal? Yeah. Because they seem more, like, material than the vast beings that are flapping. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. My theories are, like, slowly being redirected and, you know, continuously evolving. Yes. And I'm not saying anything. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so what do you... Um, th- there's there's a couple questions here. Basically, what do you think is going on with uh, the relationship with the... Uh, Brian and Taylor, what's going to go on there? Oh, yes. I think if they don't fall in love with anyone else, you know, the, like, fiery, passionate, etc., you know, that sort of romantic love, I guess. I mean, they'll probably, like, they could become, you know, like, the decades-long study, sort of, like, they have that sort of pragmatic comfortability with each other, but then I'm also thinking about, like, the direction that Taylor is going and then the fact that Brian hasn't really addressed, like what he's gone through he's just kind of like settled into not addressing it i feel like things are not gonna like there'll be something Mm -hmm. that will like kind of throw a wrench in this idyllic image yeah you know um what do you think are some of the like what what do you think is taylor's long-term trajectory taylor's long-term trajectory Mm -hmm. not necessarily but on on every level including plot hmm i feel like she is headed I feel like somehow she's going to end up kind of figuring out about Cauldron and and she seems determined to like find a solution to the end of the world 
so I feel like she'll maybe be involved in if there's any sort of, you know, kind of um, maybe stopping or rerouting of that. I feel like she'd be involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel like somehow she's going to, like, have to come to terms with what she has done in, you know, the face of, like, the heroes or the protectorate or something. Somehow I feel like she's going to end up in the birdcage. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how that'll work. Or she'll, like, end up... I don't know. There's some. There, there'll be some sort of overlap with that. I feel like. Okay. You know, or like some sort of communication with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm feeling less likely that she'll team up with Dragon because Dragon's kind of like in stuck doing other things, and they haven't had a great track record. By they, but, you mean like by blowing up the their her suits? Yeah, like she can. They yeah, the undersiders kind of. I don't know. They sort of burn that bridge. Hmm. In their in their protecting of all of their stuff, but maybe I don't know. Maybe Legend shows up to kind of deal with to team up. I guess maybe against Cauldron. I don't know. I don't know. These these predictions are getting more uh, complicated as you speak. Oh well, I have a lot of expectations, mm-hmm. but also I'm leaving it open, open for change. I don't know. It would be cool though. It would be cool if they teamed up, Legend and Taylor. That would be cool. And I do agree. Yes. Oh, another yeah. thing though is that Legend has not done anything yet. It seems so. Yeah, he seems to be biding his time. Mm-hmm. But it's also like not been that long. Yeah. You know, um, or maybe he's been up to something and we don't know. That is true. Mm. Do you have any other predictions about any other aspect of the characters or plot? Hmm. I don't know if I totally believe that Coil is dead. Mm-hmm. Mostly because. I am usually suspect when, you know, a big fancy villain dies. He did already die once, so. Mm, That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he's he's an unpredictable one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, quite literally, Tattletail cannot. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of stuck in an impasse, them too. And of course, uh, I also wanted to ask, what do you think is going to happen in the immediate future now that Noel is free and angry? Um Yes. And a bit bigger now. Oh, I feel like the city's not going to be saved <laughs> by the government. I think they're going to be kind of like, that's that's one too many times yeah. that we've had to kind of deal with this. But I do feel like maybe perhaps some of the heroes that were down for some vigilante, mm-hmm. you know, doings, happenings, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe they, they might be willing to team up kind of how they did with the ABB. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, because, I mean, Noelle is Noelle, right? Yes. And she's, like, she's within that, whatever she is, so maybe she can be reasoned with a bit? I don't yeah. know. I don't know how optimistic I am about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor well, girl. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, I know. I feel bad for her. Uh, well, all right. Uh, let's get into the listener uh, questions for the, the, the questions yes. for Clarence. Uh, so we just have a couple. So Sarah Penguin asks, is the birdcage a human rights violation? My answer is three times yes. Uh-huh. Um, and also maybe I think so, because I don't know like the stipulations, like all the fancy rules of like the Geneva Convention and all of that. But um, I feel like I feel like the answer is yes, because we were talking about the dentistry and like, you know, how I mean, Amy... Th- they seem that they I don't mean, have access to health care. So. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they... Like, they're supposed to be self-sufficient, is what I've gathered mostly. Or, like, that they're governing 
themselves or kind of regulating themselves, which I yeah. feel like kind of opens it up to like like unregulated murder and like rape and and like all of the, I don't know. It just seems like this this is a place that has the overseeing, you know, kind of all seeing AI that they speak to sometimes like a god mm-hmm. or like as a confessional sort of thing. Like there isn't. I mean, there's that surveillance, but like how much involvement is there how much like regulation i guess yeah or like kind of making sure that everybody's okay you know i mean what happened to bakura and all this i I don't know i just i feel like there's there's a a mess there Mm -hmm. that nobody's kind of addressing yeah it seems that like murder is not uncommon here yeah and and there's this interesting thing where such a like a limited amount of um goods are like deposited every you know Mm -hmm. I, I I forget what the, the time span is, but it's it's so like intentionally limited to like yeah like they, I, I guess they've, they've set it up to be this this kind of very isolated you know unsupported situation. I I wonder if like the the limited amount of of books and and other kinds of distractions is kind of like to get them to be distracted with just the little dramas of uh like trading and and the mm-hmm. rules of like these these kind of petty um differences rather than like teaming up to you know trying to get out or something like that i don't yeah. know oh yeah like intentionally divide them up yeah I, but not even just like divide oh, them like, up specifically them? yeah yeah preoccupy them where like, they're mm-hmm. like more focused on how do i get more cigarettes to you know get that yeah, other book like, that this other guy has real things oh oh also also i totally forgot i wrote this as my secondary point um is that like the the way that amy like just decides that she wants to go to the birdcage i mean she has like multiple different options but like she just decides and everyone is kind of like okay this is gonna happen like i i assume there's probably like due process or something mm-hmm. or like some sort of like like legislative or judicial i don't the judicial that's what it is judicial you know you know uh, bureaucratic like pathways mm-hmm. that like that like need to like examine these people before they like send them off like i assume there's there's something there that is like that but of the people that we have heard being sent off to the birdcage there hasn't been that you know kind of articulated so i don't know how much of like how much of the sentencing is is kind of written into um like the laws or yeah. Laws of the land, however that is. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's a human rights violation or if that's just like a if, civil rights violation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I don't either. know. It's probably civil rights, I think. I think due yes. process is more a civil yeah, rights I guess thing. That's, yeah, it's more of like a... Mm, true. But yes. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, she can just supersede that just by asking to go. Um, I don't know if there's anything revealed that, you know, complicates that, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But all right, next question. Uh, Vice mm. Versailles asks, uh, aside from the answer everyone, who amongst the current cast needs therapy the most? Do you think they'd be receptive to the process? Mm. And uh, from a writer's perspective, what about the way they've been presented in the text, not just the individual story beats, but particularly how their actions and opinions have been approached and described has given you that impression? Yes. I think I think first off, definitely, Brian immediately like especially for this particular moment because he is experiencing symptoms of ptsd so like like it's it's like 
he's having these like debilitating flashbacks of the event and like he's having trouble sleeping and all of this and he has like you know a great amount like heightened sense of anxiety and like paranoia and all of this like i think he needs it like the most like immediately i would say if i was to like pick one particular person out um hmm. i mentioned also like maybe the heroes for like grief counseling because like they seem to be kind of in a pickle there i mean not that's seems like i'm making light of their pain but like <sighs> they how how readily they turn like i feel like they've been they've been kind of needing this since um since the the leviathan though um mm-hmm. and it gets kind of exacerbated after the nine um yeah yeah oh maybe arms master i think too but i don't know how receptive he'd be to it yeah just because like i mean he's he's already kind of i mean he's he doesn't he doesn't have that that understanding of what he has done is wrong so i don't know how open he'd be to like discussing it and kind of sorting through what led him there and all that i guess that would be more like rehabilitation sort of counseling mm-hmm. services i think so too yeah so the the tier list for you right now it goes brian heroes arms master yeah well i mean because i feel like some others like need not necessarily like counseling but they need like other sorts of therapy i guess because yeah. like with dinah i mean mm. i assume she's probably going to need like help kind of navigating the like physicality of like withdrawal right um in this like immediate oh oh i didn't even think about all of the travelers like, <laughs> they're probably feeling really like out of place and like discombobulated i mean yeah. they've been here for like a couple of years but like but they've been just here the fact... for two years as outsiders yeah as outsiders having not really told anyone that right and like living with this kind of like fear of of being discovered yeah. One, both from being somewhere from, from like, you know, just their general, like, of being, um, their, like, their, like, outsidedness, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then you additionally, know, like, coming from, from a, a, like, quarantined place of, like, the... Yeah, sewer, I think that's, right? that's the main thing. Like, they, they're afraid of admitting that they're from an alternate Earth. I don't think, like, that's as big a deal as they, like, think it is, because it's mm-hmm. something that happened once. However... They came from the alternate Earth because the Seamurg opened a portal. Yes, which so, makes it much worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you saw the, the, the quarantine process. People are supposed to be uh, monitored for, uh, monitored like with, with twice weekly um, visits, mm-hmm. I think it is, for the rest of their life, basically. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense monitoring. And the travelers have not had that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then they're kind of like dealing... With that, like all of those sorts of like secrets, I think. Mm-hmm. But then you know this sort of like out of I don't know. I feel like they have a lot of like they need to have like group therapy, mm-hmm. you know, where they like sit down all together and kind of sort through all of these these things that are like sitting beneath the surface, but like really, really thinly beneath the surface. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I would have said Amy. So. Oh my god! I totally forgot about Amy. No, yeah. that's true. Yes. I, I had that I had that thought like in the middle yes, of when we were discussing things, and I feel like she would also be high on the list. She'd be like above the heroes. Yeah, I, um, I think, but maybe Brian... like below, maybe like beside Brian. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think ideally Amy gets counseling and then fixes Victoria, but yes, it, it yeah. doesn't go to, to the like, birdcage. But that actually, that no, that would be like such a wonderful you know place for her to like deal with all these things and like be able to face herself and like admit what she has done. Yeah. 
and kind of sort through her own feelings versus like her father's and how she feels about being her father's child and all of this. Yeah. Ah, yes, she would be prime candidate. Yes. But I think she hates herself too much to go to therapy. Yeah, that's true. Ah. She'd, be, she'd think ah, I don't deserve so difficult. to be helped. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, yeah. about how the text has, has presented that um, mm-hmm. and how their actions and opinions have been approached and described. Uh, um, so on Brian, the textual oh, yes. stuff. Yeah, the textual stuff, I would say, um, particularly like within his interlude and, and even before that, like in the moments where he's interacting with Taylor and that sort of thing, um, we see him struggling with his own, like he's, he's articulating his anxieties and, and, you know, kind of, we see him having those flashbacks, but then also like the fact that, you know, both his sister and Taylor have, have like, are like spoken into like, into the kind of, you know, expanse of, of their conversation, you know, articulating how, how they have also noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees it as like weakness where he like, can't get over it. Um, which I don't know if that's like a symptom. I don't. I haven't read that much about PTSD, but like I feel like his determination to like just be able to like you know work through it, but like not really kind of take a moment for himself and kind of like calm himself down. Yeah, I feel like those were his like hearts racing and all of this. You know, I feel like that's we kind of we we see the the like physical symptoms of it. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. like with. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. With, with with Brian and Amy, I think there's both both of them have particular um, ways of thinking about themselves and thinking about their mm-hmm. own trauma that like makes getting over the trauma even more difficult. And I think those are the things, especially that a therapist would unravel and make it easier for them to to deal with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like some of the other ones are just like trauma, you know, counseling that sort of thing. Like, yeah. But because we we really get a glimpse at both both Amy and Brian's you know, mentalities. And we see those like ticks. Um, I think, I think those are the most like textually, um, visible ones. Yeah. Yeah. So our last question, uh, this week is from Azazel Crowley who asks with this section now concluded, what do you think are the future plans? What do you think the future plans are for Taylor? What does the future hold for the city and its residents, especially in sociological terms, given the new dynamic in place or, uh, mm-hmm. How would residents relate to it, and so on? I think Taylor, now that she has Dinah, um, actually, I don't know. I, like, I feel like they they will be able to communicate with each other, but I feel like I don't know. There's, I worry about Dinah. I hope she's okay, but um, I feel like Taylor, she has the information to perhaps begin, you know, to deal with culture, and, but she doesn't know like fully the extent of any of that. So right now, she's still kind of like stuck in the city. And she'll have to, like, kind of address the situation with Noelle. Mm-hmm. That's the most, like, immediate, immediate. But I feel like the next step is is to learn about Cauldron and kind of, you know, kind of get some, you know, maybe some, like, informational, you know, digging around. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because they're, they're kind of, like, the threat in the background. Yeah. So I don't know how, like, how fast that, like, will kind of dig into them or if that will happen later. But, and then with the city now, I mean, it's kind of, I was thinking about this, like, before, I mean, I mean, before it appeared to be run by teens, but it actually had Coil kind of mm-hmm. running now things. Now it's truly run by But by now teens. it's like definitely run by teenagers who are villains, you know? So I don't know how how supported um, the city will be from the outside. Because I know there was this whole thing where the mayor went to go to Washington and was like, don't condemn the city. Like, it'll be great. Um, I don't know if that's going to like hold up now, though. Yeah. 
because like the mayoral you know like you know debate or whatever had like was bombed and all of this um yeah yeah my metaphor i don't know if it you know holds up but i was i was imagining where it was like the like how the city rebuilding is is quite the task that you know tattletoe has in store i mean plus everybody else but um but like you know it's this kind of like this pile of dirty dishes that like you know they're beloved and you know like they had great food on them but like now they're messy and you have to like clean them but like you might drop them on the way it'll take some like yeah it'll take some like maneuvering before you can like get back to the kitchen to clean them even start yeah 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 so i feel like there's like it's it's quite a monumental task um i think this like city rebuilding yeah brockton's bay is a mess it is Mm -hmm. (sighs) and on that note uh let's (laughs) let's close out our 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 show that's that's all we have for y'all this week um let's talk about what's going on in doof media and then uh just go ahead and outro out Mm-hmm. So uh, just just some other stuff that's going on uh, this this week, uh, two days before this episode comes out, because we're one day late on this, uh, mm-hmm. a Doofcast episode on the short story 1777-6. I, I, I don't know what the like order you're supposed to read that in, but it's a short story uh, dystopian. Uh, so you can go ahead and read it and then listen to the episode. It's a great discussion, as always. Mm. And then the other show I want to plug, because we haven't yet, is Kingslingers. So Kingslingers is Scott and Matt's uh, Stephen King, uh, We've Got Warm Treatment. But we need we need a term for that without saying We've Got Warm every time, because that's like the doof thing. So, mm. um, But uh, they're going through like Stephen King's uh, Dark Tower nice series. They're on Wizard and Glass, and the most recent episode was on <clears throat> Wizard and Glass, and it's part two. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of cool stuff going on o- over there as well. All right. Also, with for the Patreon, if you like what we do here at Doof Media, consider donating, consider donating a single dollar per month or whatever else you can afford. Um, it's due to the generosity of our patrons that we're able to create shows like this. Patron dollars are what pays our hosting fees and how we're able to purchase like the microphone, all of this. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash doofmedia and see all the uh, patron rewards we have. Um, uh, recently, there was another uh, episode. I don't know if episode is the right word, but at the $10 level, you get access to exclusive bonus content where... Um, and now we're starting to have an actual you know thing going on. We have an exclusive... Um, I think a, a, a podcast feed, although sometimes bonus content is not podcast stuff, but a, a an RSS feed that you could subscribe to once you're a $10 patron. And uh, right now, uh, there's a conversation from uh, Matt and his brother, uh, Daniel, uh, talking about um, all, all sorts of philosophical stuff. It's called Freeman Bros. It's not like an <laughs> official podcast podcast, but it's their conversations. And I think they're very, very interesting. Also, please con- consider donating to Wildbo's Patreon, um, because uh, you know Wildbo relies on on the income from the Patreon to make a living, and without him, we wouldn't have this wonderful web serial, or, or really any of the others. Like, it's very important to to support writers, and specifically Wildbo, you know, to show support mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and ensure that he can continue doing this without starving, which is yeah, always yeah. Uh, a pro. Very I think. important. Very important to show our our support, you know, monetarily to the arts. Uh, and of course, of course, if you do not have money for, for Patreon, we completely understand. There are plenty of other ways to help us out. You can tell someone about Worm or about this podcast um, that helps us immensely. Or you can leave us a rating review on iTunes or your podcasting app. You can be like Blueberry Fathead, who says, 
I read Worm alongside the We've Got Worm podcast, currently only partway through Ward and both, and then this. I'm so very happy Doof is making a second one of these. Next, we need to have... We- Next, we need one with at least two people that have both read the whole book once, then one for people that have read it multiple times and analyzed it, then one for after reading all of Worm and Ward and everything else parahuman and reevaluating everything. Um, they also add that the the uh, my my Marxist theory uh, explanation in in the first perspective uh, can can focus more on the book. So um, I think I'll be I'll be taking in that that advice as well going into the next perspective episode. And of course, if you disagree and you want even more theory or something, you can always email us at um, decomposingpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, they, they finish off saying uh, more time, to, more time discussing the book is time well spent. Five stars. Don't be unfair to Taylor. <laughs> um, well, to, to be fair to us being unfair to Taylor, I think, I think, I think it's pretty clear what's what, what we should be thinking about her at certain points. Yeah. 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 So next week is our perspective episode for this book. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will already have been recorded, so we won't be uh, addressing comments in from from this thread. So if you want to leave comments on on Reddit or send us that those emails, it'll be for the next overview and and perspective section, uh, mm-hmm. where we'll be covering um, arcs eighteen through twenty two. Um, However, uh, we'd also just love to hear what you guys thought of this episode. So you can do that at the Reddit, Reddit thread linked in the description. That's all we have for y'all this week. Uh, for Again, for those reading along with us, the next section is arcs 18 through 22. You can join us next week on our perspective episode. Yeah, we're looking forward to using our literary theories to delve deeper into Worm's unexplored themes. <laughs> <laughs>